the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're joined by none other than Sylvester Stallone as he makes his small screen debut in Paramount Plus's Mafia series Tulsa King. Plus, we discover why all men are trash in Tell Me Lies on Disney Plus and take our subtitles for a spin while discovering why you should never travel by sea in Nautical Horror 1899 on Netflix. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that has just got over Netflix's cancellation of Fate the Wink Saga when Amazon, Amazon went and cancelled Carnival Row as well. Uh, what, what I ask you, what is with all the fairy hate? You know, it's like, it's like the complete opposite of It's a Wonderful Life. Like every time a bell rings, a fairy has its wings fucking torn off by a major streaming service. It's very upsetting. I'm saying like maybe if we, if we I don't know, if we, if we ask people all over the world to chant like, I do believe in fairies or something. Yeah, maybe one or both of these shows will spring back to life because, you know, it worked for Peter Pan. So anyway, either way, I am joined by my two co-hosts, both of whom have their wings fully intact. It is Boyd, the Supreme Fairy Hilton, and Kay, the Sarcasm Fairy Ribeiro. <laughs> Hello. James, I don't think it's that they hate fairies. I think they hate you. That may be true. Maybe Sky could start a Sky Fairies channel and they gather all the fairy-based shows. That um, would be shows. amazing. Yeah, and that line would be them amazing. up for you, just for you, and maybe a bit Sophie Petzl. She's like, she was the other major fan, wasn't she, in my, in yes. my mind? For, yes, um, she, she's a fan of Carnival Row. Carnival so, Row, yes, yeah. yes, I think yeah. we're both, we're both going to miss the steampunk fairies. Uh, well, it's ironic, of course, that I've obviously led with Carnival Row being cancelled. Or they kind of, they giveth and they taketh away. So they've given us a date for season two, the massively overdue season two, which is now coming early next year. Uh, and uh, uh, But they cancelled it at the same time, saying it's the last series. But that's not even the biggest cancellation of this week. But let's get into that in the news section. Let's not not get into the cancellations now. I know you got very upset when I upended the schedule last week and started doing everything in the wrong order. And I can see Kay in particular was very anxious about it. So I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. Let's, let's go straight into what we've been watching. And what I want to ask you two is which of you or both have been watching Chris Hemsworth dunking himself in cold water? Yes, me. I have. Did you did you watch it? I was trying to convince James to watch this, and she he was, was. very cl- he was very close minded, which will come as a shock to you. Um, <laughs> and he was like, "I'm not watching reality, blah blah." And, you know, just droned on, and I zoned out. Yeah. Um, but I did want him to watch it because I think you'd benefit from watching it. Now, did you give it a go? I didn't, but that's not <sighs> to say that I like. I'm considering watching the first episode just based on what oh, you said. I will watch the first episode, but I have not yet done it. I've had a busy week. There was a lot to watch, so I have not yet watched it. Was it good? Like, what, what did he do? It's really good, right? The strapline is that he's looking at how we can live longer and stronger. And so the first episode is um, basically him tackling his stress. Now you'd think that Chris Hemsworth, what stress can he have, Thor? But he does have stress, and he goes into that in the first episode, and. Um, interestingly talks to a doctor i think she's a neuroscientist actually about the effect that stress has on the body um, and on the brain and how it can reduce your longevity etc and so he does these um tasks these stress inducing tasks to try and learn techniques to keep him calm when he's in similarly stressful situations at home um leading up to the ultimate stressful situation which for anyone who's ever watched i'm a celebrity the the task where they have to uh Walk the plank from a very tall building. That's that's basically it. It's like it is shit scary, and he may or may not do it. So it's like a one man. I'm a celebrity. <laughs> so um, yeah, more handsome version. But no, each episode will tackle different things. But yeah, the first episode was stress, and it's it is terrifying. Are you saying Chris Hemsworth is more handsome than um, Matt? Um, <laughs> Hang on, Bellend of the government. Yeah, listen, 
Listen, I was going to go into this briefly, but honestly, my piss is boiling. Like, I watched it last mm. night for the first time. TMI? <laughs> no, I'm so angry about this. Like, I watched his entry into the jungle last night, and I was just so... You watched Mayor Hadcock's entry? <laughs> Um, no, and it was just like, honestly, it was so anger-inducing. I cannot believe he's gone in there. I can't believe ITV have asked him to do it. It's a complete joke. And I'm just so happy. It's jokes. Charlene, it's, yeah, jokes. It's, um, so, I'm so happy that Charlene White, the journalist, is in there because she's instantly took him to task and um, about his absolute piss-poor excuse of, oh, I'm going in so the, the viewers can see the real me. We've seen the real you and we don't like it. I anyway, rad I'm, glad, I'm glad we've got into this now because James, obviously, we have to address this is the major TV talking point as we speak of I'm a celebrity getting out of here, Matt Hancock, the controversy. Because I um, watched it afterwards because I was watching Arsenal, obviously, um, last night, but I did catch up with it later on. And uh, I was very pleased that Boy George had a genuine emotional response talking about how his mum was very ill during COVID and, you know, at one point seemingly touch and go and she was in hospital and he was talking about his anger at Matt Hancock being the then uh, Minister of Health, Minister of Health, etc. Then I tweeted about it saying that the Boy George's response was the right response. And then a lot of people tweeted me saying, hold on a minute, Boy George isn't, you know, an angel. Yeah, he yeah. was problematic. Know, he was convicted of that of what happened, his situation. But, but I think it's different because Boy George did something wrong. He played, took, he he, he did his time, served his time. He's apologised, you know, as far as I can make out. Um, and there, everyone's got something, you know. Obviously, Sean Thingy's got issues as well. I'm not, you know, condoning him, but I think the difference is a current politician who was the face yeah. of the government's um, health policy during COVID. And particularly, you know, said that whole thing about putting a ring of safety around care homes, which is absolute bullshit. Don't get me started. But there's such huh. a difference having him, the face of that thing, politically, as opposed to people who have had done wrong in their lives. Everyone, you know, everyone's done wrong things in their lives. No one's perfect. But definitely, there's nothing, something different about Mahogok. And I do think it's a massive risk by ITV to put him in there. Because, you know, people might just find it too difficult like you to watch him. I mean, I think they're fully within their right to put him in there. Obviously, you know, they can do what they like. And it definitely adds a new layer of interest to it. I think it's undeniable. And actually, I watched Anton Dex, like they did a little Instagram thing after the show last night. And they were acknowledging the fact that, you know, people aren't happy with it. And it's a massive risk of gamble. But I just think it is... It's it's fascinating, yeah. It's it's kind of this is how reality TV, James, is uh, it's fascinating. <laughs> Sorry, what's that? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, who? No, I just think this is wrong. I think like you know they've in the past reality TV they've put on divisive characters, but this is this is beyond that. This is this is not just a divisive character. This is someone who is very triggering for a lot of people. Um. So anyway, yeah. So I will right, not I be watching. I'm hoping that by, I do you know what I'm hoping that by the time this goes out, actually either he will have left, <laughs> or the or the whole camp will have left. Yeah. Uh, well, I no, oh, I'd be surprised. I think it, I think your boycott uh, might have to last a while. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. If the big names like start dropping out and they'd be paid a big fee, then yeah, they all have to do something. Anyway. No one's dropped out yet. So as I'm aware, as we speak, I think Boy George said he. I don't think he will. He won't. He won't. Anyway. Sorry, James. We've we've uh, already we have alienated you with you that. But that is that is <laughs> what we've been watching. Yeah, this, I, I get that this is this is currently one of the big talking points on TV. So I have not engaged the reality check alarm, which I would normally <laughs> have set off. Uh, you know, I'm giving you a certain amount of leeway oh, in this one. Thanks. In the um, fascist in the fascist regime, 
You're welcome. Yeah, it's like Andor all over again. What, I've, right? what I've been watching this week is is you two, because we are currently recording remotely. Because we're not in the office. No, not in a weird way, Kay. You get me a look there. We've not gone like the watcher. Like, I'm not oh like, stalking you. I was like, where are the cameras, James? Yeah, it's yeah. not like that. But we're, we're obviously we're recording remotely because there is a, a tube strike. So we are not in the office today. So if we're all talking all over each other and sounding a little bit weird like we're underwater, then that's the reason why. Uh, but other than reality tv have you been watching any proper telly first of all i just want to start off by saying fuck you james it is proper tv and <laughs> second of all um what i have been watching is i finished mammals um which was the show we reviewed last week and i just have to say it's got a really surprising and satisfying ending and i really enjoyed there's this surreal sort of allegorical element to it that i found very interesting and i enjoyed a lot so yeah mammals is the other thing i've been watching um and then something a bit of a rewatch which i'm not la- i'm not sure if this is allowed according to your dictatorship james <laughs> but um i've been rewatching friday night dinner uh, Robert Popper's excellent Channel 4 comedy for no reason other than my friends reminded me of it at the weekend and I forgot how much I loved it. And it is just fa- it's just so, so funny that starring the late Paul Ritter. Um, and I think it goes some way to answer the question from last week that a listener wanted to know what's in our top Channel 4 shows. And this is definitely, definitely at the top for me. Do you know what? I, I, never, I never got into that. Like I watched the first one and didn't like it at all and never <sighs> never pressed on with it. And a boy's rolling his eyes. Yeah, of yeah. course I did. I mean, no one's surprised by that. <laughs> but we, Of course you're allowed to have rewatches. James rewatches Game of Thrones every few months. I mean, so yeah. you rewatching. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You are. Friday night you dinner. are allowed. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. But it's fantastic. And I, f- I forgot that um, Tuppence Middleton actually did a cameo in it. Oh, so I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. really good in series one as one of their would-be girlfriends. Yeah. But very good. If anyone hasn't watched it, please do watch it. It's on 4AD. You can catch up. Uh, Here's a question for you. From which show does this quote come? Our discovery of a multidimensional universe could dovetail with existing Catholic goals. Our discovery of a multidimensional universe, this is an actual line of dialogue, could dovetail with existing Catholic goals. Your second clue is that is made to the Pope. This statement is made to the Pope. I can't believe, James, you don't know. Go on, James. I, I have on. no idea. This is your geek territory. Someone speaking to the Pope. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't remember an episode of Star Star Trek where they meet the Pope. No, it's <laughs> it's season two. Season two. It's the fictional yeah. Pope. It's the current a current fictional yeah. Pope. It is Warrior Nun. Season two. Oh, see, have yes. you watched Warrior Nun season two? Uh, I've just started watching it. Yes. Okay. As we record it, drops out. I've not had a chance to watch it yet, so I have not had a chance to find out whether the Pope gets in on the multi-dimensional <laughs> Indeed. Well, oh, you've got wait. a treat coming wait. up. It is. Is it everything we dreamed more, it would be? It's everything we dreamed it would be. Uh, Warrior Nun, for those who don't know. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. It all merges into one. Uh, it t- time one, has no meaning. <laughs> time has no meaning. It's one of the great, absolutely fucking nuts shows we've ever <laughs> uh, watched on this podcast. It famously flummoxed um, Terry White, and uh, then we all got like decided we had to kind of carry on watching it. And it is insane, absolutely insane. The recap, right, there's a recap of the whole of the last series. It goes on for about 10 minutes in a kind of attempt to make it make some kind of sense, but it doesn't at all. And then you're thrown straight in in this new series, which is like half young, adulty, sexy, fantasy, 
drama oh, thing and then comedy and then there's like <laughs> oh my god it's an absolute gigantic mess but it's weirdly like the production values are really high like it looks great which for a kind of tacky demented warrior nun based show it's science fiction it's it's martial you're not, arts. You're not selling it's, it. It's just fucking crazy. So yeah, yeah, it's not Heartland K. I've got to be honest. It's definitely not Heartland <laughs> K. No. Um, so yeah, I, but I, I am already enjoying season two, which I started watching this morning. Then there is. I'm also keeping up with American Horror Story New York, uh, which someone challenged me on Twitter for saying it was perfectly legal. It is. I'm paying for it. Let me remind you, I'm fucking paying for it. Um, yes. So I, I would I would point out, it's perfectly legal. It is possibly against their terms and conditions, but that's about as bad as no, it gets. No, no. But let me just say this. I've now watched seven and eight of ten, and it gets particular, even by Ryan Murphy standards of insanity, it goes completely off the edge in episode seven. And it gets wild, wildly nuts in episode seven and eight. Because um, it started out quite kind of gritty and down-to-earth kind of, you know, story of a serial killer in New York and the detective. But then it's going all over. It's going, getting much more ambitious and, and yeah, mad. But I can't say much more than that. But I'm really enjoying it. Nonetheless, it's just it's kind of what you want from, from Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story, Insanity. Uh, I'm a celebrity we've covered. Oh, and the final thing is that I have re I am watching Yellowstone, which oh I didn't you know- started it yes absolutely from the beginning yeah. not not because obviously season five starts this week season so. five so uh, what I've done you will hate me for this this has been like this will give you the willies oh <laughs> James my God. but I start I, I watched quite a lot of season one so I thought I know I'll, I'll start a season two I've started a season oh two God. the oh, other day boy. no no but even no. more annoying even more annoying they sent through the link for the ep- opening episode of season five and I watched no, that no no I'll go back no, and no, it's fine. no what it's fine. are you doing <laughs> I, I you know I'm loath to agree with James but you know can't do that you just cannot do that I'm with him no, what I've are you done doing I've done, done it I'm going to go back and carry on watching I just thought I'd ch- check out oh what's the, the new... point you've ruined it yeah you've no, killed it now it's, it's all gone it's ruined absolutely not you've ruined the whole thing now what I'd say about it is it's, it's massively entertaining um, obviously it is and I'm not using that the word in a derogatory <laughs> way but it is very soapy it's basically <laughs> Dallas with swearing that's what I said it's Brothers and sisters yeah. with Stetsons, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of swearing. The difference between this and, like, you know, JR, like, Kevin Costner's <laughs> character in this and JR is that back in the day, JR couldn't say, fuck you, <laughs> every other line. <laughs> you would have done if you could have done. Yeah, and Kevin Costner takes great delight in telling everyone to fuck the fuck off on a regular basis in this show. And it's really entertaining to watch him sinking. He's got an incredibly gravelly voice now, um, sinking mm. his teeth into this, into this very, very juicy role of this, massively rich privileged guy who can do the fuck what he wants who's now by the way a, a successful um politician uh spoiler. slight spoiler alert for season five <laughs> yeah but the best thing about it is the best my favorite character in it is jackie weaver who i think arrived in the last season and she is from hansforth parish council Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that Jackie, <laughs> Jackie Not that Weaver? Not that Jackie Weaver. <laughs> she has um, no authority in the show. <laughs> she has she has every authority in the show, it turns out. Jackie Weaver of, you know, she was in that Oscar-winning film. Was she nominated for an Oscar for something or other? Anyway, she is absolutely brilliant in it. Couldn't she, She's a complete 
psychopath, basically, an enemy of Kevin Costner's character, and she is stupid. She also swears. Every other line of dialogue is swearing. But it, but the reason why I think people love it, I mean, I, every, I mean, it's just fabulously entertaining, f- full of interesting, fun characters. It's just fun in that kind of old school Dallas way. But it is like if Dallas was written by, as well as the swearing factor, it, written by a really good writer because t- Taylor Sheridan, who is the, the you know the creator of it and the showrunner of it and writes still writes a lot of the episodes is just a brilliant talent he's you know he's a fantastic um, writer of dialogue we will get to we'll get to Tulsa King later maybe that's maybe that doesn't live up to his his record who know we will find out no spoilers <laughs> but he uh, but you know he wrote Sicario Hella High Water Wind River these are really brilliantly yeah. written films he's you know, he's, he, a, he's a fantastic writer hmm. would you recommend I watch it do you think I'd like it. I think so. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's okay. really good fun. Yeah, but do you it's really think good I'd fun. like it? Um, <laughs> I don't Probably know. Not. I think you might have issues. And but and the what the final thing? I think you would like it. You will, but you find you will say it's soapy. You will find it soapy, which is unashamedly it is. Of course it is. Um, but the other thing, final thing, else, people have talked about how it's like you know right wing, and because it's because it's like it's celebrating rural America as opposed to the big cities, and in, that's explicitly in the um, dialogue of the show. You know, Kevin Costner's always slagging off the East and the West Coast types and New York and LA and all of that and and, and saying, you know, we're not your dumping ground. We're not your, uh, in, in where they live in, uh, in, in the more rural West. But it's about that kind of belief, you know, and that those politics. It's not endorsing those politics. I don't think we're meant to think, yes, you know, this is the way forward kind of small-minded right-wing people are fantastic at all. I don't think it's saying that at all. I think there has been some confusion from people as, a, you know, as to, it doesn't kind of, it, it, it's definitely not, you're not supposed to think Kevin Costner's character isn't a completely, um, you know, ruthless prick. He really is. So that's my, that was my verdict on the politics of it. So what yeah, I'm really channel? enjoying it. It's on Paramount Plus, Kate. It's on Paramount Plus. All, all yeah. every single season is on Paramount Plus. See, it's, there's a lot to go through and you haven't sold it to me because, because I just wonder whether it's just not like, <sighs> I, from the first episode, like people love it. Like Kate Mulgrew, Catherine Janeway said to me when I interviewed her, you got to watch Yellowstone, it's the best thing on TV. And like, that's a ringing endorsement. But I just, I'm, oh, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Uh, what can I say? Maybe. I don't know what else to say. It's just. I'll watch more. Like I've only watched the first episode, which I think was a feature length one, but. Kelly Riley, she, he, the, the MVP, yes. as I like to say, Kelly Riley, who is, you know, she is superb in it. She plays his like daughter, his his maverick, part addicted, um, complete loose cannon daughter, and she is phenomenal. She is absolutely brilliant in it. And Wes Bentley's in it from the morning show and other stuff. The cast is fantastic. Carl Hauser, Jackie Weaver, the aforementioned, etc. <laughs> well, you've convinced me. Well, we've got another spin-off coming next month, haven't yeah. we? Isn't it like 1923 comes in December, which has yeah, got Harrison Ford in it, for God's sake. Oh, it's extraordinary, yeah. And I think what attracts these big superstars is his dialogue. It's really, it's really, it's, it's you know, it's something they can stick their teeth into. So, yeah, but it's a ma- it's a whole universe now. Yeah, it's it's, it's the Yellowstone, the Yellowstone the cinematic Yellowstone universe. universe, the YCU. Yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy 1883 a lot. I like I like that a lot more than I enjoyed watching Yellowstone because it's period set and it's kind of cool and western. I'm going to press on with that. I want to finish it before the end of the year because I only watched uh, I think the first four or so, uh, and then I got drowned by everything else. But uh, yes, all right, boy, do you convince me to at least watch the spinoff? Uh, I will do that. What have I been watching? So I've watched all of season two of Slow Horses. That was last weekend, but 
but that's what well, that's next week reviewing that isn't it so i don't want yeah. to talk about it now no. so i'll save that for another week and talk about it then but so did i because i had to interview gary oldman and saskia reeves for this very podcast yes which i did uh yes yes indeed spoiler for an upcoming podcast we will in fact have gary oldman and saskia reeves on this podcast to talk about uh slow horses season two but yes i've watched that i've also been watching echo three because you know numbers it's progressive uh, but because frankly i was on the apple screening portal watching slow horses so i was like oh echo three's there i'll have a look at that so i'm watching that too but that's not for at least another was oh, that next week as well uh yes it is next week yeah Oh, yeah. is Echo 3 next week and Slow Horses is actually in a couple Slow, of weeks, Slow Horses I think. December. Yes. Yeah, Echo 3 is yes. next week. Yes, you're right, you're yes. right. Yeah, Slow Horses is not next week. Slow Horses is oh, so confusing. Slow yeah. Horses is December. I will talk about that more then. The trailer was great. Uh, and uh, Echo 3 we will be reviewing next week. Exactly. With so Luke good. Evans uh, of... Um, With Luke Evans. L- Luke Evans of new album fame. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes. He's he made an appearance, James. He made an appearance on Strictly Come Dancing yes, singing. I know, I know. Just to let you know. Even I better, know. he made an appearance on this morning singing live, singing um uh, Bridge Over Trouble Water. Yeah. Extraordinary wow. sounds. I'm sorry I missed that. Um, what else have I? What else? Have I watched another couple of episodes of From. I'm two episodes from the end of From now. It's all kicking off. Uh, from you remember From? From is the kind of they're trapped in the town and there are monsters that come out at night. One. Nope, Boyd's oh. entirely forgotten From. But From, I liked From. Like I thought was, that was a good one. So I'm I'm yeah, watching a bit Sky more of that. Sky Sci-Fi is it? Sky Sci-Fi. That's the one. That right? That's the one. Yes. Uh, I've been pressing on with the Peripheral, which I'm still enjoying a great deal as well. Nice bit of obviously. I'm sticking to my genres. Is the Peripheral still like a computer game? No, no, because it's it's okay. about time travel. The story's about time travel. Okay. So it's about like she's she's traveling through time when she goes into the rig. She's not actually playing a game. So it's uh, but it's very clever. So it's like it's two future timelines in one narrative. But but uh, it's interesting. Mm, it's unfolding some big revelations in the fourth episode, but it was good. Uh, what else have I been watching? I have also been watching. So, uh, The Walking Dead. Now, we have one episode until the finale of The Walking Dead. Ooh. That, you know, so I, I'm counting down those. So, as this goes out, not as we record, but as this goes out, the penultimate episode will have aired and we'll only have the finale left. Just the finale. That's exciting. Yeah, very much looking forward to seeing how The Walking Dead ends. Kay, I, I can report, listeners, Kay is particularly <laughs> excited. She looks yes, yes, I can beyond tell. thrilled. I can tell you're psyched about this, about The Walking no, Dead. No, I am. Finale. I've got it in my diary. I've got Have you ever watched an day. episode of The Walking Dead, Kay? No. That's okay. I'm not I'm not you know, I'm not saying there are eleven seasons or anything, but there is time for you to catch up before the finale if you don't sleep for the next couple of weeks. What would you rather me watch? I haven't watched that or Game of Thrones. What would you personally, James, want me to watch? Oh God. Oh God. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin. Well, Game of Thrones definitely over, okay, over the Walking Dead, unfortunately. Well, there's, fine. Like, there's less of it as well. So, you know, you've got that going for you as well. Right. Um and the final thing that I would say is I got an email this week <gasps> informing me that I had screeners. For interview with the vampire, oh, and that yes. is extremely oh, exciting. Is now exciting. the thing is, though, it did not at any point confirm when and where it's showing over here. It just gave me screeners, which is lovely. But I still don't know when it's coming to television over here. What channel? It's a good question. I can't remember. I don't even know if it's said. <laughs> I was sent those as well. You've reminded me. I'm very, I'm very excited about that. Right, yeah. I'm gonna have a look. I'm gonna have a look. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at this been... live. I had bet the link's expired if I don't I watch bet it, it soon. has as well. No, let's hope it hasn't. Oh, here we are. So, here. No, it doesn't, as you say. It's, it's an AMC screener. Uh, oh, you know, no, that means it's, it's on. I'm afraid it's on. Well, I'm not afraid. It's just as a fact. It will be on the AMC channel, which is, you think? I think, still, yeah, I think it's still only available on BT TV, I believe. I may be Shut wrong. up. I think so. Oh, so I mean, you're I think only going to be able to see Interview the Vampire on BT TV. 
That can't be true. Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, there were, I think one, if not more, of the Walking Dead spin-offs, funnily enough, were on that channel, weren't they? I'm pretty sure. I mean, until nobody cares. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but so I don't know when this is screening over here, but I know I'm going to be able to watch it. So I'm excited about watching that. I'm going to hopefully watch it on the weekend. Uh, but it'd be nice to know when it's you know coming properly, and hopefully it's not just coming to people who have BT TV. I don't even know how you get BT TV. What is it, Boyd? BT TV is like another platform, like Sky. It's just a different. I've got it, of course, as well as Sky. But um, of course, yeah, it's just a, of course. Just, of course, it's just. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just another platform. I'm, I, I, I may be wrong about that. Maybe AMC, maybe you can get watch AMC on um, on Sky now as well. So people should check. But I'm pretty sure that if it came from AMC, with just saying this is an AMC show, that that that, that means it's going to be on AMC literally. Yeah, like Dietland recently was is on AMC on the AMC channel, for okay. example. They're, yeah, they do have quite good shows. Well, that's supposed to be an incredibly good series, and I really want to watch it. So I hope it goes as wide as possible. We will find out. Uh, right. Shall we uh, move on to the post Ooh. bag? No, I just quickly. Else? Yeah, I've just Googled it. It says, um, how do I watch AMC on BC in the UK? BT Sport Pack on Sky customers will on the Sky. Customers will also receive the AMC channel on 186 oh, okay. in their Sky Guide. Oh, well, there you go. So if you have Sky, you also have access to this That's good to know. mysterious channel oh. that apparently just appears places. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking like, I was looking up as well. Sorry, carry on. Ignore me. It's good that we have no clue what we're talking about here. I think that's, that's so, 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 we're providing a vital service for our listeners blind, here. The yeah, there's a sh- it's on a channel. We don't really know how you get it. And we've not really heard of it. But And it might not even be on there. We don't really know. But there you go. Interview with the vampire, folks, coming soon. Or not. Who knows? Uh, so, okay, right. <laughs> shall we? Shall we? Right. What are we going to do? I'm going to give you options. Do we go into the post bag or do we have this week's guest? I'm thinking let's have this week's guest because mm. this week's guest is exciting. So I think that's bringing up the top. Let's go straight in there it's sylvester stallone guys it is the man himself he comes crashing into peak tv this week with paramount plus's tulsa king where he plays dwight the general manfredi uh, a mafia capo released from a long stint behind bars and of course then obviously exiled to oklahoma to set up a criminal enterprise there now boydie was granted an audience with sly well, he may or may not have got himself into trouble. We're trying to take a picture. Steady. <laughs> but he was granted an audience with the man himself, with Sylvester Stallone, to chat all things Tulsa King. And this is how it went. Sylvester Stallone, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. What an absolute thrill to meet you. Um, we were just talking about, there was this big Paramount Plus launch last night, including your show, Tulsa King. But you stormed the place. I mean, you came on. You, the, the excitement with which you were dealing with this project was quite clear from your reaction did it all just flood out? Did you just decide there and then to just say what was in your on your mind about the whole thing? Yes, I looked at the script and it was very standard stuff like, oh, it's great. I'm really thrilled. But I am thrilled. There is no way they can capture that on a roll. And I think you have to really express it in terms why the history of meeting Taylor, how someone being in franchises, I get it. And how this franchise, hopefully is just another challenge and a wonderful feather in my cap and everyone else's cap. And, a, this is, and at my age, Jesus, it's amazing. Were you kind of stunned and amazed when Taylor Sheridan approached you about the whole idea? Yeah, I am, because I wanted to... <laughs> I, I told a gentleman earlier, I, in 1970, maybe, yeah, 70, I went up for an extra in the wedding scene at The Godfather. They say, you don't look Italian enough. I go, excuse me, really? 
telling you. I said, I can't be an extra, like hide behind the wedding cake, anything. No. And I thought, how ironic. So I've always wanted to play a gangster with a certain twist. Never happened. And as I became more aligned and identified with Rocky and Rambo, most directors go, nah, we want different. So at 75, Taylor, well, I met in a barn. That's what's so unique. You never know. So I tell my daughters, you never know. Just keep your eyes open. And it just, it was percolating. Five years later is when he presented the script. He goes, what do you think? I go, no brainer. And four days later, the script was there. I went, damn. Did he write it like very quickly when, once you were interested? Is that how it worked? Because famously, you, you wrote Rocky, didn't you, in the weekend? It's the same thing. I said, this is kind of serendipitous here. He hit it, and then uh, it was handed over to Terrence Winter, who I guess is pretty erudite in this field, having done Boardwalk, Empire, and Sopranos. And so now it's just being fleshed out and new characters being added. It's very exciting. And it's, uh, it's almost, um, I like working with the writers too. It's great, since I do a little scribbling myself. Oh, you do. You're working with, I mean, these people are at the top of their game in, in, uh, in TV, in deep dive TV, we call yeah. it peak TV, whatever you call it. Is this a world you ever thought you'd get back into? Do you watch? It's like, no, I, I never thought it. I thought that, uh, well, I didn't understand streaming. I thought, I thought you'd give it a shot, but there was nothing there that really looked like it needed me. Everyone, Ozark, everyone seemed to be perfectly cast. And I remember I went to Netflix with Spielberg and his company to do a gangster, but it, had, it was getting Alzheimer's. It was an interesting concept. And he said, I don't know, gangster films are done since the Sopranos. I go, that's it? That was it, so it's over. It's like the first time I wore a hat in Rocky, the producer goes, you can't wear that. I go, why? I said, it's intimidating, it's cool. He goes, Gene Hackman wore it. So I go, okay, that's the end of hats because he wore a hat in French Connection. I said, stop it, guys, really. And it was like the same thing with Sopranos. That was the end of gangster films. That was the benchmark. And this only because Taylor was is what he is right now, he can make this thing happen. And then when Terry Winter came on, forget it. I mean, you can tell from the trailer, this looks like an incredibly directed and it looks and like- Oh, it's beautifully really Also, there are clear moments of violence from your character. What's it like playing, going back to that, playing a kind of a violent, because that's not kind of the thing we used to see you playing. You're it a good guy. Naturally. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a very uh, tough upbringing, so. It's in there, you know what I mean? But the thing is how to recover and realize you are violent. It's something that has made you a, a, a survivor. And you also have simpatico for, that's where the element of the daughter is the key. Just like I told everyone, Rocky without Adrian is just a thug. There is no movie there with her that gave him the impetus to become something other than a thug. And this is the same thing here. And it feels like this, you've got a strong sense of place in all Taylor Sheridan's work, I think, like, you know, whether the Western shows. Yeah. It looks like Tulsa itself is like going to be a key element to the whole thing. It, it is. I, I, you know, it's a very, I mean, it's obviously a very masculine show, but we're bringing in some really talented women who are just as, you know, tough as I am. Uh, 
and in their own way. So it has a great balance to it. I like it. It's, to me, it's a throwback to a kind of mythology filmmaking that we've lost. We've really lost. And, and now I think we're at that little balance. I don't know. It just seems that's why Yellowstone is working, because people have missed the Western, but they don't want to see it on horseback. You know, they want to see, uh, I can relate to Yellowstone. I can't relate to, you know, Rio Bravo. Well, or the searchers, you know what I mean? But I can relate to that. I mean, I have to say, you, 75, you look phenomenal. Um, what, what, what is the secret? What are the secrets of, of just your whole, I mean, your whole look is fantastic. It looked even more stylish than you did, you know, 34 years ago. Well, I, I started falling apart at around 40. I go, okay, now this is a matter of economics, slide. This is not ego. You got if you want to continue to work, you set a certain look. And if you want to maintain it, a, a career, you have to stick with it. So I had a kind of a, a, a challenge and I just kept upping the game. I don't work out. You know, once you reach a certain plateau, if you just watch your diet a little bit, you're okay. Am I as strong as I was? Hell no. No. I mean, I've had five back operations, three neck fusions, both shoulders. You could blow me up over. <laughs> but I'm held together with clothespins. But the attitude is young. You know, it's just that, mm, even though I may be deluding myself, you still think you can do it. So you try. And did you and Taylor come up with the look of the character for the show yeah. together? Did you talk about what he was wearing? I wanted to, again, there was a line in there, Taylor wrote, because. All I have to my name, I came out of have this watch, a two-bit pinky ring and suits and mothballs that Arsenio Hall wouldn't wear. I went, Arsenio Hall wouldn't wear. I'm going to bring back the, the padded shoulders, the gangster look with guys, you know, this kind of thing. So right now, you know, it's just tight and very, I want to go back to this kind of look. And I said, let me do everything sort of retro, over the top a little bit, a little gold, little this. Things that people are staying away from, but he flaunts his, his, I guess, cock of the walk kind of look. And I'm hoping that other guys go, hey, I remember that look. Let's try that. It's, Ill, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, there's even the belt buckles. I said, I want something from the 80s, a Kisselstein that no one wears. You're going to get them on eBay. I said, that's what he would wear, and he'd dip it in gold. Let's just... Hmm. Do everything like so politically incorrect. That's you know what I mean. So, and from the train, looks like it looks like you've got uh, the show has a Riley funny tone to it as well. Is that key for you that there's a kind of humor to it? That there's a funny tone to the show. Well, they surround me with characters that's so diametrically opposed, like hippies. You know, white guys wearing cornrows. I go seriously. You actually count yourself as a guy. Get rid of that. You know that kind of stuff. And we're always taking the piss out of one another. Because I come from, you got to see my group. I, you got to see it. I am, I'm the only guy in a suit. I refuse to not wear a silk suit in 110 degrees in Oklahoma. You know, so it's just that. I can't wait to see your group. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank you. Obviously, buddy, we uh, didn't keep in the bit where the uh, publicist chases you down the hall in a kind of Benny Hill fashion. So uh, just to make you delete oh, the picture you took with him. But nevertheless, yeah. nevertheless, yeah. I'm sure that was a, a lot of fun for you. Did, did he live up to it? 
the man, the myth, the legend. Yes, and kind of, you've alluded to this story. I mean, all, you, I you love told all, it on this podcast. I have think. I? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure you have. Are you sure I haven't well, just told it, to tell it off, again. off air? Go for it. <laughs> no, I was like, I'm sure I haven't told it off off air, so to speak. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, I did. I did take a pic. I did ask for a selfie with me and Sly, and Sly was absolutely happy to do it. And much as I love every single publicist ever in the world of television, and all of the publicists who were there that day, and there were a lot, but believe you and me, um, <laughs> that yeah, um, apparently it was not the done thing. I mean, I, I, I just thought, how many often a true legend? How <laughs> often do you get to meet an absolute genuine Carstein legend? Not only that, I happen to have a. I loved. I watched Rocky when it came out in cinemas. Literally the week it came out, I'm that old Aww. in the seventies. You know, um, so I have grown up with him and watched every single film he's ever made. Blah blah blah. Anyway, it was a he was a delight, and he was absolutely delighted to take a have a picture taken with me, my selfie, in which he did a he did a fist to my face. I've still got a picture. I deleted one. Understandable. Listen, still got it. That was probably a life goal for him, Boyd. Getting yeah. a picture taken with you. He said, "I just met TV's Boyd Hilton. It was amazing." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he he was a genuine delight. Um, incredible. When I think I think it's totally fine. He wanted to do it. Yeah. like just forget about the others. <laughs> he was a delight. The publicist, not so much. <laughs> it was only one. It was only one maverick. I think an American, possibly publicist, uh-huh. who was uh-huh. like. But for me, so when you get sent, I've, I've probably said this before, but when you get sent, you know, details of a junket or interview, or whatever, it does say often somewhere in the small print. Yeah. No photos will be allowed. No blah blah blah. This uh, honestly, it did not specify that. So that took me a green light to try. <laughs> what can you do? You just give it a chance. You know, I took a risk. I took a gamble, and it, for me, it paid off. So now, I do still have a picture of me and Sylvester Stallone on my phone forever. Boyd, what was he like? Did he like? What was his? Did he have a firm handshake? Did he smell nice? I just want some details. <laughs> did he smell nice? I don't think I got to shake his hand because I think Americans are still like COVID, COVID scared. So. Yeah, he was quite. He Hang was on, like but he put his arm around you and punched oh, you in the well, face. Yeah, that's that's true. True. yeah, maybe that's why. Oh my god, I just said, maybe that's why they were really furious about the selfie. Yeah, no. obviously. Um, <laughs> you might have given COVID to Sly. Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, he was completely um, charming, hundred percent charming, and and a, and a delight. I think he just. Um, I think he's just having the t- time of his life. With, I mean, we'll get to the show later. Yeah, but I think he's really genuinely I'm thrilled that he's doing so this thing. Jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, good gig, Boyd. Right, right. That was Sly then. So should we should we get onto the post bag? Should we do the post bag? Let's see yeah, what let's we've got it. in the post bag. Let me have a rummage around. Virtually, of course, because no one uses actual letters these days. Right. This one comes from Ethan Helen. And Ethan says, Hi all, huge fan of the podcast, and just wondering what are your favorite shows of recent memory that you don't see talked about enough? My answer is always trying, as it's a perfect tonic oh, yeah. for these past few years. Of course, Ethan, the answer to that was Fate the Wing Saga, but no longer. So <laughs> let's uh let's come up with something else. Trying is a good shout. Um Trying is a good shout, yeah. But then to be fair, like everything on Apple is kind of partly this, isn't it? Because like, you know, whether it be See, naturally, or Severance, or any of these amazing shows on Apple. Like, very few people, when you talk to them, have seen them because mm. not a lot of people. Servant, I think, yeah, Servant. Another Servant one. is another one. A yeah. great show that people aren't watching. Wait, Bad Sisters was on Apple, right? And everyone knew about that. So I think it's just. Yeah, I mean, how many people watch Bad Sisters? Do we know? I mean, it got. I mean, it got renewed for a second season as we'll find out in the new segment but we will apple do not release any figures whatsoever they don't even as far as i'm aware i don't think they even do their own ranking of you know like netflix did before even before netflix got involved with barb the official british ratings body when netflix would list their top 10 and their biggest shows i don't think i go into that at all and i just don't think that yeah, right, yeah. they don't need to 
They absolutely don't need to. Um, you know, I mean, it's the richest company in the world, isn't it? Still, I think pretty much. So, um, of all companies, you know, even even like Amazon Prime or whatever, Prime Video, and Netflix has its own financial worries. Basically, Apple just doesn't have that, does it? Because it can afford to do what the fuck it wants. Yeah. But they do have incredibly high quality shows that I don't yeah. think enough people watch. Foundation, for example, not enough people watch Foundation. Uh, genuinely brilliant show, but they've you know they've got a lot of these things. And- shows on AMC. <laughs> <laughs> anything that's on on what's it bt tv all of that don't talk about that enough <laughs> yeah. can't find it what's going on yeah yeah but like, like but you know but seriously though seriously so but if, but if again i'm gonna bang the apple drum and i am gonna say like i i i proselytize about c all the time to people say oh what should i watch you should be watching c and they're like what is that so you should know this already but you know for, just from this year severance shining girls as well which was talked about because uh uh what's the face shining in it? girls elizabeth yes, moss that's right elizabeth <laughs> what's moss <laughs> what's <Dave? laughs> elizabeth moss was in it so that doesn't take it but slow horses spoiler for next week or december is a fantastic show and uh and again it, i just but i don't feel like that when you have conversations with people about you know your Matt Hancock or whatever is when you're talking like the TV zeitgeist <laughs> people have all seen Ted Lasso they all subscribe to Apple yeah. to watch Ted Lasso but beyond Ted Lasso you just feel that they don't know how much good stuff is on and there the trying show. of course and the morning show I think people watch the morning show initially as well yeah um but you know trying again I, I don't think enough people watch that really good show trying has gone on to like his fourth season I think um yeah definitely yep. confirmed so horses is going to get two more seasons at least uh, that yes. has been confirmed so I think. I think in a way it's quite good for just for the pure quality of the shows that Apple isn't too hung up seemingly on how many actual viewers they get. I mean, for all we well, know, trying might be a massive success. I don't know. It might be. It might be. It. Yeah. Yeah. They advertised it quite but a lot. They've got I think, to a point but- now where I respect Apple for the fact that they don't make that many shows. They don't swing the axe. Do you know what I mean? Like the axe gets swung yeah. a lot on other streamers to mm. the point where it's actually starting to bug the shit out of me. Uh, Netflix have been doing it for quite a long time. That said, they do make an awful lot of shows. You know, I, I like that Apple are sticking with stuff. You know, they gave C three seasons. Obviously, six would have killed them. Just saying. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take my three. Be grateful for what you got, James. Yeah. What's the next uh, letter in your bag? All right, fine, fine. We've moved on from that then. Kay, no, what? Sorry. Kay, Sorry, Kay, that's that it. Kay's saying, move yeah. the fuck on. Kay has called time on your underappreciated shows question. Well, no, no, no. Only because I need I need to have that question in advance. I know you triage them, I but I think you mean. need because mm. I can't just think on the spot like yeah, that. And you also, need to be able to come up with these things. I was then just watching Boyd click on his computer and Google stuff, and I was like, maybe, <laughs> maybe this time better spent. I mean, there are tons and tons of science wow. fiction. Carnival Row is another one that not enough people watch, but then you could argue there's a good reason for that. Uh, I don't know. Let, let's move on to the next one. The next, the next letter comes from Rach on the tweet. And it Ooh. is, I just watched the quarantine episode of Mythic Quest. We're back to Apple again. Uh, and she says, if you haven't watched it, OMG, please watch it. What do you think the best episode of TV produced was during lockdown? Oh, that's very difficult because a lot of things were made <laughs> wow. during lockdown. I mean, fucking um, the old man was technically major in lockdown but it's not a traditional lockdown thing well I, maybe she do you think she's referring to presumably not just stuff that was produced during lockdown because that was everything but stuff that was like a lockdown treatment of a show because weirdly i think mythic quest might actually be the best one of those because that was really really good i don't watch the show regularly i did watch the lockdown episode and it was great there was that thing with michael sheen and david tennant wasn't there they did their uh their yeah. lockdown zoom oh, thing yeah that was that was a very much a lockdown um, project, yeah. That was inspired mm. by the whole Zoom um, phenomenon, for sure. I, I, are you sure? But she also talking about stuff that was kind of like, for example, Industry season two. 
um, was made in the in in a certain extent during lockdown. Lockdown. It went out. Season one went out during lockdown. Then season two was a response to lockdown and acknowledged it in its second season brilliantly. I thought the way industry dealt with lockdown as a thing that has happened and affected the characters was was kind of hilarious and you know realistic and brilliant. I don't know if that answers the question. Probably not. <laughs> this doesn't answer it, but I know that um, Daisy May Cooper and Celine. He- Hasley, is it? Uh, wrote, Am I Being Unreasonable in Lockdown? And that was okay. fantastic. So they they reconnected. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them were done during Pop Land. Yeah, Tulsa King was, uh, Tulsa King was um, a lockdown project. Oh, where really? He, yeah, yeah. He, Taylor Sheridan literally um, had an idea of doing a big show revolving around Sylvester Stallone and got his email, emailed him during lockdown and Sylvester Stallone said yes about a day later. And yeah, and then they... See, that's what happens when Sly is so bored. He's going to say yes to projects, and that's good. Something bored when you had him. Oh, God, yeah, Yeah, totally. Well, I think we can all agree that the worst treatment of COVID was 100% The Morning Show Season 2, which absolutely fucked it, (laughs) the final episodes of that. So, um, right, let's move on to the next one. This one comes from James Heal, and James Heal says, question for the pod, is there any type of reality-slash-documentary-slash-current-affairs-slash-game-show-type show that James yes. secretly does like? Yes, Can I recommend Somebody Feed Phil on Netflix? Phil mm. Rosenthal is possibly the most warm, positive, and engaging host you're likely to watch. It's a joy to see him discover new countries and be overly positive about all types of food and people. What the hell is Feed Phil? Somebody yeah, and also warm, warm and positive. Is that yeah, going to be know. down you know, up James's street? I yeah, don't know. What about, what about Stanley <laughs> Tucci's series, though? Have you tried that? that yeah, is, searching, that's the one. Searching for Italy. This is, yeah. I was going to talk about this last week. It's something that I've been watching in the background just to make me feel joy-filled and when I'm not travelling. James, you should check that out. If you like the Tooch, that is worth watching. It's on BBC. I mean, look, I'd go to dinner with the Tooch, but I'm not sure I want to watch a show of him having dinner. I don't, I'm not no, sure. No, it's, it's a, like a travelogue. He, you know, yeah. he's travelling around Italy, <laughs> tasting delightful food. <laughs> the idea I mean, that this show is literally watching Stanley Tucci eating dinner is hilarious. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a bit of that, to be fair. Yeah. But, and also, to be fair, I would watch that. Because <laughs> he's saying, so, would he's, watch. He, so so I do actually watch a current affairs show. I always watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver because I think that's great. And also it's educational and entertaining. But I just don't watch non-scripted stuff. No. I, like, it's not why I watch television. Like I have never in my life ever turned on a television just to have it on. Like I've never, ever, ever just turned on the TV. <laughs> I turn on the TV with a very specific objective. I will turn it on to watch a specific thing and I will watch that thing and then I will turn it off. About like, fairies. <laughs> About fairies, yeah. I never said it was fucking highbrow. I just watched it. But it's, it's, I, I need the escapism. I want to go to another place. You sound like a fun sponge. <laughs> I'm a fun sponge. I just say, like, there are factual shows. There are factual shows that are quite, you know, like science nerdy factual shows like David Attenborough stuff. Oh, yeah, Forbidden, of that. yeah Frozen Planet, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I do like actually all those kind of lovely nature shows like Planet Earth. But again, I don't think I've ever finished any of them because I've got so much fairy stuff that I've got to watch. Oh my god, I don't have the time. He is he's literally away with the fairies. <laughs> I am okay, away fine. With the fairies. I just again, for me, it's about escapism. It's about tell me a story, take me to another place. The more fantastical, the better. No matter it be fancy, let it be science fiction, let it be as far away from the raging bin fire that is like modern life <laughs> as possible, and take me there. The flaw in that, in your thing, is that essentially something like Stanley Tucci's Italian series, what's it called again? So, so, Searching for Italy. Searching for, yeah. I is can that tell you where it is, it's just the southern part of Europe. 
Oh, brilliant. <laughs> it is escapist because it's beautiful. It's it's a beautifully filmed, you know, lush series with lush vistas and beautiful food and Stanley Tucci being Stanley Tucci. It actually is escapist. As escapist yeah. as your fairy bullshit show. So you, know, see, look, you might look, enjoy it the more Tooch, than you think. If the Tooch got sucked into some kind of interdimensional <laughs> civil war against minotaurs and blah, fairies, blah. I'm there. I am there. Yeah. Boy, no, we're never going to convince this know, dude to watch you know, it. Like, just to we say, just... you know that Dan Levy's got a food show now in America. Yeah. <gasps> yes. On it's all about, is it brunches or brunch. something? Like, it's, it's, a brunch, yeah. it's a brunch cooking show, James. Uh, Dan oh Levy, Dan Levy, Levy Levy of, um, Levy. of uh, what's it called? Fame. Shit's, Shit's Creek. Creek. Yeah. Fame has a hit yeah, brunch cookery show that he hosts on HBO Max, I believe. And I am really hope it's going to come here because apparently it's fantastic. Everyone's loving it. He's, and he's a really good host. Yeah, I was reading about it today, I think on like, I don't know, Variety. And I was just wondering when it's going to come over. So you don't know yet. I haven't, seen any, I haven't seen any hint that's coming over, no. Oh, to go back to the other question, Shit's Creek, it, wasn't, it was neither produced nor written in uh, lockdown, but it was a saviour for me. Oh, just getting you through yeah. it. Well, that was the same as Ted Lasso season one, wasn't it? It wasn't written mm. for lockdown. But for me, lockdown will always be synonymous with Ted Lasso season one. I think that's true for a lot of people because it was the perfect tonic at the perfect time to keep us yeah. going through that absolute shit show. That's so how that's I felt why, about Shit's Creek. That's mm. why it's in that scene, early, in that first scene in episode one of The White Lotus when they were all saying how much they like Ted yeah. Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> Watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> right. Question here from Dave Taylor. And Dave says, hi, I'm a long-time listener, first-time DM. Uh, my wife and I love a cop show, so after hearing James mansplain and bang on about Bosch ever since the podcast started, <laughs> I suggested we give the show a go. Wow, it's amazing. We're about to start season four tonight. Sorry, Boyd and Beth and Kay. I hope James isn't too smug after this, but James was right. That bit was in block capitals. I think I should just point that out. There, I've said it. It's our favourite show right now. Thanks, James. You are very welcome, Dave. You are. You didn't discover Bosch. You welcome. know that, right? Does he think <laughs> Are you trying to make out that you discovered Titus I'm and like you discovered Michael Yeah, I wrote Bosch. That was it. Yeah, I take full yeah. responsibility for the existence yeah. of Bosch. Yes, that's you're exactly a ridiculous what human being, but it is it is a great show. So this was, you're this forgiven. was never in debate. Uh, right, quick question here from Lil Sebastian, who says, "What is the most jarring example of?" A TV show breaking formula. Was it the weird 9-11 episode of The West Wing or maybe the one episode of Seinfeld where they got an a cappella choir to sing the theme <laughs> tune? I've been watching thousands of hours of Balamori, why, with my daughter. Uh, and he says, and in one episode, one of the characters turns to camera and refuses to sing the song that gets sung every episode. He said it was so unsettling. Like oh everything God, had been turned that. upside down. Wow, who'd have thought the one time they didn't sing the Balamori song would put him over the edge? Um, yeah, it's funny when they do that, when shows pivot away from what it is they do and try and do something very different. The 9-11 episode of The West Wing is giant. I don't hate it, actually, anywhere near as much as a lot of people do. It is cack-handed and very clumsy and certainly not ideal, but it's not a bad episode. Whereas I would say the episode of The West Wing where they turn it into a reality TV show possibly is the worst episode of The West Wing. Uh, and that's one where CJ gets followed. It's called Full Access or All Access or whatever it's called. And it's where a TV show, uh, a TV film crew follows CJ around for the day. And it's fucking awful. Yeah, uh, I So agree that's with that. a bad break from format. Um, can you guys think of any? There's an episode of Seinfeld which goes backwards, um, which is based on the Harold Pinter play Betrayal, which goes backwards. So it starts at the end. You know, Betrayal starts at the end of a relationship, a relationship that's breaking up, and it goes back in time. Like see, each scene 
And then the final scene is at the beginning of that relationship. And Seinfeld did a whole episode, which is really disconcerting when you watch it, because like you, why the, you're like, why the fuck are they doing this, and what does it all mean? And it's quite odd, an odd viewing experience. I would say that. I don't know. Is that? I think it's an example of answering this question, but it's definitely a <laughs> maverick kind of trick to pull narratively for for such a show. Yeah, I've got one. So this won't answer the question either, but I remember the last episode of Better Things, the last series, all the characters, I think, started singing the theme tune at the end, all to camera. And at first I found that a bit discombobulating, but actually I thought it was quite a nice touch. I mean, it's the last episode, so they can do what the hell they want. And it's a brilliant comedy drama i i think i for me it's often risky because it sometimes takes me out of the narrative of what i'm watching when they do something different and it wrong foots me like when a dramatic show does a comedy episode that upsets mm. me a lot I, I don't i don't like it i can't be dealing with it just make it stop <laughs> james um, cannot compute yeah, but but then but then sometimes these things can work really well. Like remember the Buffy musical episode once more with feeling like that was a break from format. They took a musical format. Yes, they worked it organically into the narrative, but it was a was a joyous episode of television. So it can work. But uh, yeah, sometimes when when they go off the rails with things, it's a bit like no 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 please 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 put back the toys that you just broke. Right, time for one more because we are running out of time. This one's from Stephen Thomas, and Stephen says with the tragic news that Westworld will never get its final season, spoiler for the new section, uh, and we won't get more fantastic music covers, does it get to the point that whether or not justified on economic grounds, that a network or streamer runs the risk that they get a reputation for cancelling shows? Could that then result in great shows being cancelled before they even get through their first seasons because people are hesitant to start watching from day one in case they are cancelled? Which is a very good question, I think. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I, I don't think HBO, by the way, is an example. I think it's quite. I think the reason why I will get to it in news, <laughs> the Westworld <laughs> cancellation is was surprising, is because HBO tends to give its shows quite a long time, as far as I, I, I can tell it historically. So I but think that's why under new would... management and all that. I think the economic climate at HBO is slightly different than it was. Oh, completely, of course, yeah. But I do think um, Netflix has an absolute reputation for like two and out among creators. I've t- I've spoken to people who showrunners and writers who are quite worried about it but in the end they're also given a lot of creative freedom to do what they want to do so it's like you have to pay off isn't it do you but you say that and then but how can you have creative freedom when in the back of your mind you've just got this like this axe hack you know hovering that over was, you that was that you... network tv for decades wasn't it like that was the yeah. nature of it yeah i think it's kind of a fair but and there won't i mean it, do, it all comes down to numbers in the end doesn't it, it really i mean obviously yeah you know, we can't, can't not mention the oa obviously in the ultimate yeah. example <laughs> critically acclaimed the, yeah. no one watched it absolutely devastating um but i can't get too angry about it when it's a show that is has dwindling viewing figures that's clearly the show we're about to discuss in news at <laughs> well it, de- it depends doesn't it like netflix do i mean obviously let's not talk about fake the wink saga but uh honestly like, it's it's fine like i have no problem with fake <laughs> the wink saga being cancelled if i'm perfectly honest with you because i did not love season two uh but uh you know I get it, and I'm sure there is some kind of alchemy to it. And I remember we read out there was a whole piece on this, wasn't it? Where with Netflix, it's like there's a there's a very specific formula of like viewers to show to signups and how many how how valuable a show is to Netflix in turn in terms of attracting new subscribers. And first seasons are infinitely more valuable than second seasons, and second season are much more valuable than third season. So these 
there's a law of diminishing returns with shows for a streamer, whereby the the longer they go on, the less likely they are to to convert people to subscribe. But the more they cost, because budgets go up, contracts go up, actors are paid more. So you can see that the longer they go on, the less appealing they are for a streamer. So I get that in pure monetary terms. But then it's that point that they're creating an entertainment product. And if they're expecting viewers to invest in an entertainment product then they also have to invest in it because exactly as you're saying like there is a sense that you know sometimes you don't want to start something if you know you're not so so okay example would i've spent that entire sunday watching the whole second season of fate the wink saga if i known it would have been cancelled on the tuesday yes i probably would but that's not a good example i'm saying you know like but you wouldn't would you you don't want to invest time in something if they're just going to yoink it out from underneath you you know i'm still bitter with amazon for cancelling the expanse you know but they axed carnival row like they they left it off the board for a very long time i don't imagine that many people watched it It was probably just me and sophie petzel but you know they they didn't bring it back for ages and then they probably realized well at this point you know what's the point i guess we've kind of shot the second season we might as well put that up at some point but let's just not do any more um but i just think you know you should commit to these things and try and you know if you have a great thing like andor great example critically acclaimed phenomenal show one of the best of the year nobody's watching it (laughs) how do you know nobody's watching it I'm pretty sure they're not. Like, I certainly, certainly, that's that's what I have been reading. That it's not exactly got high figures, but that's not that's not surprising because Star Wars is the kind of thing where it attracts a certain demographic of which a number of them are younger. So you know, your highfalutin, highbrow people will avoid it like the plague. You know, nerds like me and kids will watch it. Now, Andor has alienated its entire kid audience by being a completely inscrutable, incredibly slow, <laughs> relentlessly grim, and then having people tortured by the screams of dying squids. Like, it's quite fucking full on. And so kids aren't watching that. So again, it's just us hardcore nerds not, watching it. It's not aimed at kids, to be fair, is it? Obviously? No, it's not. It's not aimed yeah. at kids at all. Although, again, and this is interesting, it's not aimed at kids, but if you're on Disney Plus looking at Star Wars shit, there's nothing there to say, hi, kids, by the way, this isn't for you. Isn't there, when you click on it, though, isn't there, there is a certificate, isn't there? It's like, I think, 15. I, do you know what? I, I would assume there is. I haven't I noticed. Think. I don't know what it's certificated at, but it's not gory enough to be like, you know, the equivalent of R-rated or whatever it is they call it on these streamers. And I'm yeah. not sure, does anyone really pay any attention to the certification on streaming factually, stuff? I'm just factually trying yeah, to... Yeah, you may be uh, right. You yeah, may be right. Yeah. So it, to a certain extent, I guess there will be. And if you're on a kid's account, maybe it doesn't show up at all. I don't know. All I'd say is this. I think, I think, if I was, you know, like, I, I have no idea. I have not... If I was a creator, if I was like Sharon Horgan, right, we've got another yeah. new story coming up. <laughs> That's a terrifying were, image. Carry on. If you were if Sharon was, Horgan. <laughs> if I was Sharon Horgan and I had an idea, a bold idea for a really ambitious, quite expensive TV show... Yeah. And I think, who are you going to go to? Which stream are you going to go to? With Apple. lots of yeah, well, but why? Because <laughs> yes. they do have, they don't have a record of cancelling stuff yet. Seemingly, you yeah. know, the amount of series they're giving to shows like Trying, where but whereas if you give it to Netflix, there's every chance that it will get axed, be axed if yeah, it is a that is slightly true. esoteric proposition after one or two series. So, but having said that, enough creators seemingly are buying into whatever Netflix offers as well. But there's also that sense that if you take it to Apple, they'll also give you a hundred million dollars an episode to make the fucking yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah. Lavish and, uh, and lush. I mean, we'll get into this when we do Echo Three next week. But there's a point where you're just like, how much money do they have? It's insane. Um, yeah, it makes me sad. It's very sad when things I love get cancelled. And I kind of hoped once we sort of moved away from network TV and into this more streaming world, less of that would happen. I think we just got to deal with it. 
That's my yeah. advice. Oh, they, that, that's another that's another co wave. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, Kate, that's it. I think we've just got to deal with it. Says Kate, indicating yeah. the post bag section is over. <laughs> <laughs> Kay has caught cool time on the postbag. I yeah. am not the Someone's dictator. Someone's got to, to be fair. <laughs> no, to be fair. I mean, right. Yeah. Well, that was the postbag. If you would like your oh. questions addressed, your thoughts reacted to, your you know your opinions felt, you know, sling us your questions, sling us your thoughts, sling us your feedback. Feel free to harass me about reality TV, whatever you want, uh, <laughs> via DM on Twitter to at Pilot TV Pod because that's James, the only I've got place a question. I look. Go on. I've got a question. Submit it to the postbag, pay. Okay. Yeah. I want you to. I want you to. <laughs> I want you to DM it. Yeah. DM it to Pilot TV Pod, and I may or may not read it out next week. If enough people, uh, perversely or otherwise, want you to watch an episode or something to do connected to a light entertainment, you know, an entertainment show, reality, whatever, are you committing to do it? To be open-minded and to be a well-rounded reviewer. Have we- had this already with your attempt to get him to watch Kardashians. Yeah, but I mean, that was just me trying to chip away uh, at him and that clearly didn't work. So I'm just thinking if he gets pressure of the people, will you watch something? This feels like the Funny or Dire segment, which we retired. Uh, I'm not, I won't rule it out for the sake of comedy, but as with all things, Clarice, quid pro quo. I show you things, you show me, which means that if I have to watch an episode of the Kardashians, I get to choose something else for I'm you to watch. I'm not talking about watch. the Kardashians. I'm even thinking we all watch the Strictly final together. You know, that could be fun. But I don't that see how that's fun. an improvement for me. Like, if it was keeping up with the Cardassians, like, that's definitely a TV show I could get on board with. <laughs> right, <laughs> Because those, okay. of course, are of the aliens from Star Trek Deep Space Nine boys, yes, which, of course, fine. you knew. Yeah. You've, uh, you've answered my question. Which star of one of your fairy YA fantasy shows <laughs> would be so excited to you that they were doing it, that if they were going to appear on Strictly, would Strictly. actually... Yeah, oh, Bubba Voss. Bubba Voss. If Jason right. Momoa was doing Strictly, I'd he watch one episode. I bet he's yeah. done Dancing with the Stars. I bet you. I'm, I'm not I'm Dancing Google. with the Stars, but if he if he was on Strictly, no, but that's the equivalent, the American yeah, equivalent. But I want him to come so. over. And, see, part of the fun is that Bubba Voss would be. And no, you know what? Not even Jason Momoa. It would have to be him in character as Bubba Voss. Oh God! Oh, God! Blind that's, dancing now in now, Strictly. Yeah, right. Like that's that's <laughs> what I'd need. Now we're just entering the realms of your yeah. fantasies, right? Yeah. I don't want to know about that. Fair enough. Ridiculous. That's, that's entirely fair. Right. Okay. That was the postbag segment. Should we have some news? Should we go on to news? So, yes. Horror got cancelled. <laughs> I don't know if we've addressed that. But it did get cancelled, although it will be coming in, I think it's January or February. Do you have the date in front of you when season oh. two of Carnival Row is coming? No. I mean, I wasn't that bothered. <laughs> right. Seventeenth of February. There we go. Seventeenth of February, Carnival Row season two. So that is good. Also, also, which is kind of hilarious. And people are like, hey, James, great news. Winx lives on because the creator of Fate the Winx Saga has said there are two upcoming Winx projects that he's currently secretly working on. They were like, James said, I was like, guys, guys, I may have overstated my investment in the whole Winx of us. Like, no, <laughs> like, you're I obsessed. Really, I'm not watching these. I don't care. Like, I'm 100% not watching an animated CG Winx show just go away no you say that uh, you say that no give not, him time he will it's not happening carnival row on the other hand you know let's talk <laughs> but uh but not for fake the wink saga uh what else happened and then westworld got cancelled the only bit of news that i care about this week is that apple tv plus has commissioned a second season of bad sisters which we alluded to earlier that is like, good news that is good that news. is fantastic news so i cannot wait for that i can't wait to see where sharon takes this because this first one was based on the flemish series clan and now Presumably, will this? How many seasons were there of that? Is it is going to be independent, completely different story? Will she write it? Do we know? 
These are all good questions, Kay. I think there was only one series of clan. I'm live looking that up now. <laughs> <laughs> While you're doing that, can I just tell you, because I, I was Googling this, I didn't realise, so it's about five sisters, um, Amory Duff, Eva Berthistle, Sarah Green, and Eve Hewson, who I didn't know, and I'm sure you guys do, is Bono's sister. Yes. Um, no, not daughter. daughter. I know she... Yeah, daughter, daughter. Yeah. <laughs> she was in that absolutely batshit behind her eyes. I remember that. But I did not yes. know that she did yes. not know that she was part Bono. Yeah, she's Bono. Absolutely. Yeah, Bono's daughter. Every, every, I thought everyone knew that. Yeah. Sorry, in a slightly smug yeah. way. There was only one yeah. series, I can confirm. <laughs> there was only one series of Plan, the Flemish yeah. uh, original. So it is interesting what they'll do. Yeah. I mean, it's complete free reign. From uh, for Sharon Horgan, I guess it's like for her, it's like all about that that group of characters, isn't it? I mean, the big question for me is: season one revolved around the absolute diabolical character, diabolically evil yeah. character played by Clash the Bang, the prick. So, do they bring in a new, you know, like his twin brother or something? You know, no. what do they do? But there's got to be a prick-based hole, isn't there, to fill, so to speak? Oh, mate, please, <laughs> please, just stop that sentence right now. Like, <laughs> well, I think they've got to have a monstrous man somehow in centre of it. Somehow, that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, I haven't watched the, show. the whole of season one yet, which I'm looking forward what? to. No, I'm going James. to. It's on my. It's 100. It's high up on my list. I want to get through that. That's one of the next oh ones God. I'm going to watch. But, right, this uh, is this is your project for the weekend. That's what you need well, to do. No, finish Bad None has dropped, so I can't really help you with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will get to it. I will get to it. I do want to talk about Westworld quickly, though, because Westworld being mm. cancelled is a bit of a shock, you know, genuinely. Because yep. this, yep. bear in mind, at one point was HBO's fucking flagship show. Like, it was a really big deal. It was a cultural event. Yes, they have seen diminishing returns, and I do think that the, you know, the, the viewing figures have plummeted. They dropped significantly for season three, which Boyd obviously loved to bits. And then uh, they dropped even further for season four which is a shame because season four i think was much much better than season three and actually was a really great season of television um but i'm wondering how much of this is and i, I wonder whether it's it's one or the other or a bit of both that it's partly down to you know obviously warner under new management they're being very frugal they're mothballing films for tax reasons like they are cutting corners they are pinching pennies so there's going to be an element of that to it but do you think part of it is because lisa joy and jonah nolan had essentially announced their departure from hbo and they inked this big new deal with amazon with the peripheral of course being the first product of that which they produced together you know do you think it's because they'd essentially <laughs> said fuck you to hbo anyway and said they were going to go off and do their own thing do you think that it soured the relationship that that might be behind it a bit i'm sure but equally if westworld had in terms of ratings and critical response lived up to that first season or the first couple of seasons then i don't think they would have got rid of it yeah you know i think that's true because you know money. the problem with westworld is it's massively expensive yeah it's in terms of scope and you know ambition and i imagine budget it's got bigger and bigger and bigger as it's gone on and it started out, if you think about it the first series like the original film just set in pretty much in that western world um was much smaller and 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 actually that kind of work i think it, as it's got more and more kind of flowery and full of different and, and too many characters too many settings too many variations each character some characters have like five six different versions of their characters in different fucking bodies all that bullshit that they that that, that went and, and timelines you know eight timelines all that fucking nightmare if they hadn't have gone down that i think it's their own fault i'm sorry i know you at least enjoy practically your mate or, or whatever because you've interviewed <laughs> it so many times but it was the fault of the creators um for making their what started out as being a very highly effective 
show with a very clear um, premise taken from the original Michael Crichton film, and then they turned it to something spectacularly complicated and bewildering and confusing with seven timelines, characters, five, six characters occupying the same body and vice versa, and a kind of endless um, exploration of what it means to be human and consciousness in the most kind of bewildering borderline pretentious way and it just became <laughs> it just lost me particularly in that third season right fourth season it it came, it came back a bit but at the end of the fourth season i thought it was terrible i thought the last episode was an absolute disaster just completely confusing um so i think i think sometimes a show just dwindles and kind of you know disappears and dismisses needs to be put out of its misery needs to be put out of its misery and uh, without wanting to sound too harsh, I think this is one of those times. But yeah, as to your point, I'm sure if they had have stuck with HBO and not gone to other rival streamers, maybe it wouldn't have happened. But equally, it makes sense to me that they've that they've that it's ending. Boydo is putting a DNR on it. That's it. It's done. <laughs> yeah. Do not yeah. resuscitate Westworld. Sorry, yeah. Lisa Joy, etc. Wow, harsh. Right. What else has been happening in the world of news? There's no other news than Bad Sisters for me, so... There's no I other did, news even, other than Bad Sisters. I, mean, yeah, I didn't even bother looking. That's it. There is a little bit of some other news. That First of all, they released the picture of Kate Winslet and her daughter in I Am Ruth, which is the next in the I Am series of uh, one-off films, they are, basically. And they're all very good. This one is particularly exciting, I think, because I think this is a feature-length one. So it's Kate Winslet, Mia Thrippleton is her daughter, um, and they, they're real-life mother and daughter, and they play mother and daughter in the actual film that's going to be on Channel 4, I think, in December. All of the I Am's were phenomenal, pretty much. Dominic Savage, Dominic Savage creates them with the star of the show, the woman who is the star, and they've had, you know, and every time they come up with the story, I think, and the concept, and they kind of create it them together, pretty much. It's who have quite they unique. had on before? I knew you were going to say that, Kay. Oh, sorry. Um, no, it's <laughs> I know- fine. I mean, you know what my adult brain is like. But yeah, in answer to your question, Vicky McClure, That's Samantha it. Morton, Gemma Chan, Saran Jones, Letitia Wright, Leslie Manville. What a lineup. Literally, pretty much all of the, the greats. Like, British greats of acting, female actors are all on. They've all been in the show. So it's very exciting. All we, all we need is Dame Judi Dench on there, and then it's got the four. I mean, it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Surely. Yeah. Before before Dencho is on there. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to mention, sorry, is ITVX, the ITV high-end streamer that is basically their competitor for the Netflixes and all all of the streamers we're talking about, is going to be arriving on the 8th of December, day before my birthday, everyone. Yeah. Funny you should say that. We had a lot of stuff on social media this week, people basically asking two specific questions. One, what the hell is ITVX? And two, do I have to pay for it? So what is the answer to both that of these questions? Is, that is a very good question, James, and to everyone who asked. It is ITV's new free streaming platform. It is Ooh. free. It is both. It's two things, really, as I understand it. It's a replacement for the ITV hub, which everyone has issues with. <laughs> and is, you know, ITV shit shit version of the iPlayer, the BBC iPlayer. So it replaced ITV Hub as the home of all, the online home of all ITV content. And they have commissioned lots of stuff, lots of originated, original drama and some comedy, etc., for the ITVX platform. So I think what's going to happen is, so there's things like A Smile Among Friends is their kind of uh, one of their early flagship shows with Damian Lewis, Guy Pierce, Anna Maxwell Martin. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a fantastic cast. Liv Vinenko 
is coming soon with David Tennant. They released a picture of David oh, Tennant. I'm excited about that. Yeah, very excited about that. So they've got big, prestigious shows which will launch on ITVX before the end of the year, after the December 8th big launch day. And then eventually they'll be on ITV, normal ITV or ITV. I think they're going to get going back to calling it ITV1 as well, which a lot of people like, you know, one's parents still call it ITV1. <laughs> ITV1. <laughs> but I think it actually is going to be ITV1. So um, that's what it is. And it's pretty exciting. I've seen bits of different shows um, that are going to be on ITVX and they look and they look pretty good, I have to say. James, are you even going to give it ITVX the time of day, considering you have such a snobbish attitude towards the ITV dramas. It has to be said, my feelings towards ITV have been mixed. However, ITV is the home of Unforgotten, which is one of the mm. great TV shows. ITV was the home of Cracker, one of the greatest TV shows ever made. And Karen Peary was ITV, and I really, really like yes. that. So okay. do you know what? I'm I'm prepared to give ITV X and or Y or Z or whatever else they do. ITV1, ITV2, all of it. I'm prepared <laughs> to give it the benefit of the doubt, although I still maintain that Boyd picks some of these ITV shows just to troll me. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Absolutely not. No. It's gonna be it's good for our show because there's gonna be even more to choose from when it comes to reviewing shows. Because basically it's, yeah. we've got another high-end streamer on our hands. So I think it's pretty Woo-hoo. exciting. Brilliant. Now, there's actually an extraordinary amount of news this week, so I'm going to rattle through some of it, jump in whether you will. Uh, So the It prequel, Welcome to Derry, has found some showrunners. So Jason Fuchs and Brad Caleb Kane are going to showrun that. So it looks like that is definitely moving ahead. Obviously, prequel to the It movies. So it's pretty exciting if you're into all that sort of stuff. Dune, The Sisterhood, which I am very much into, has added Travis Fimmel to the cast, Ragnar Lothbrok himself. So that's exciting because, you know, anything towards Dune is something that I'm into indiana jones is potentially getting a tv series which is gonna be on disney plus don't know if it's young indiana jones it's certainly unlikely to be old indiana jones i don't know what's gonna be (laughs) but apparently they're going to be doing something jury's out on whether or not i care uh (laughs) what else we got you care that's good Mm. uh daryl dixon so clemence posey and adam negitis negitis has joined the walking dead spinoff the daryl Daryl Dixon spin-off. What else have we got? Netflix are developing a movie and an animated series for Gears of War, the Xbox gaming franchise, which Kay is a massive fan of. You're a big just, cog head, aren't you, Kay? I'm literally just rolling. I just don't even know. Yeah, that's it. A cog head. Cockhead. Yeah, yeah for a, cog- a second I thought he said cockhead and I was prepared to like, you know, well, hear what okay. you punish the screen. Yeah, no, that's it. You're like, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Sarah. I hear what you're saying. Will they feature the Lambent Horde in there? And the question is, you know, I, the answer, I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. We'll have to we'll have to find out. So, uh, so that'd be that'd be interesting to see. Uh, uh Agatha Coven of Chaos. Uh, you know, a little bit more oh, yeah. detail about that. So Jack Schaefer, who worked on One Division, is going to direct at least one episode of Covenant of Chaos, which I guess isn't massively surprising. But that's uh, but that's good stuff. Excited about that. And there's also going to be nine episodes of Covenant of Chaos. So a little bit more information about that. Other things, Stranger Things, we've got the title of the first episode of the new season. Does anyone want to know what it is? Yes, Chapter please. one, colon, The Crawl. Ooh. And the last thing I want to mention as I rattle through this at a thousand miles now is the Acolyte, which is the uh, well, one of the upcoming Star Wars Disney Plus shows, uh, has got some upcoming cast members. Uh, so it's had a whole bunch of people on this. So Lee Jung Jae from Squid Game fame, of Squid Game fame, I should say, has joined the cast of that. Daphne Keane from His Dark Materials is going to be in it. Uh, Rebecca Henderson, who you might remember from Inventing Anna. Dean Charles Chapman, obviously from 1917. Carrie Ann Moss of many many things including the matrix obviously in there as well uh, and manny jacinto obviously as we know in jody turner smith and charlie barnett like there's there's a lot of good people in this show and after andor 
I'm very excited about all new Star Wars shows again. I thought Boba Fett and Obi-Wan had killed that particular part of me, but they have been rekindled in the fires of Cassian Andor. So very excited about The Acolyte. And I can tell by Kay's expression that she's even more excited. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, no, it's nice for you to be get excited by him. <laughs> yeah, look, joy has come back to my life. Yes, exactly. I could see it just enter your face yeah, again. It rekindled. Yeah. You have missed out the uh, most important news story of the week, though. Oh, have I? Yeah. Doesn't shock me. What was it? JB Smoove, um, <laughs> plays Leon in Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, did an on-set announcement that season 12 has started Ooh. filming. And it was oh, hila- it's a hilarious. It's a hilarious video in its own right. I think it's on his Twitter um, feed with Larry in the background shouting at him and swearing at him because JB Smooth takes it as a chance to promote his new tour, and <laughs> and Larry Larry just just tells him to fuck off basically. Um, yeah, so glorious. I haven't caught up on the last season. I need to oh, do that. Okay, come you on. Sh- you just reminded me. Yeah. Last time when I flew back to America uh, a couple months ago, I watched the entire that entire season on the flight back. It was a joy. Oh, maybe I'll do that. I'm off to New York um, in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to do the same. Right. With that, I am calling time on news, obviously, since Kay has not done so. I will do so. And we will move on to reviews. And we begin with Tell Me Lies, which I keep referring to as Lie to Me. Do you remember Lie to Me? The uh, Yes. Uh, Tim Roth show where he could tell when people were lying. Right? Oh, it's great stuff. Uh, but keep, it, this is not that, and it's nothing like that. But anyway, 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 anyway. This... This is an adaptation of Carola Lovering's novel of the same name. Uh, And this one stars Grace Van Patten as Lucy, and it revolves around the fallout from her tumultuous and largely toxic relationship with human binfire, Stephen DeMarco. (laughs) Kay, without lying to any of us, what did you think of it? I thought this was, I mean, look, it was, I thought it was very enjoyable for what it is. I mean, it is uh, watching the hellish relationship that you, many people can relate to, in terms of being in a toxic relationship where you keep on going back to the same person or have feelings for the same person, even though you know they're wrong for you. And yeah, so I mean, it is, it's kind of like might be triggering for some people, but I, I thought it was good. I, so Lucy goes off to college in um, a small Californian college. It's far away from her home in Long Island. And she relishes this chance to be away from her mum, who's quite domineering and like, you know, controlling and stuff. And she just makes the most of it. So she has wild parties, she drinks, and she forms a new group with her um, dorm mates. And as you say, she meets a guy called Stephen, played by Jackson White, who is sexy and he's charming and he's, um, so yeah, very tortured and complicated. And they fall into this addictive relationship that, and something happens that will permanently alter their lives um, and the lives of everyone around them. So, I mean, it's just really interesting. It's going to follow their lives, their relationship for eight years. I thought he was good. He reminded me, Jackson White, of... The character Chuck Bass. Now I, I know James. Oh, from Gossip Girl. Yes, Ed Westwick's character. Yeah, because he's kind of this smart. Really? Yeah, like sort of sociopath. Like he's charming and fucked up. And he seems. I mean, Chuck Bass was not a good guy, but this guy. And this was kind of weirdly my issue with this series. He seemed so over the top twattish. Like there was a level of bellendry here. I almost really? couldn't get my head around, and I struggled with you, that a little bit. No, I. Yeah. I I mean, like it was probably obviously heightened, but I could totally see. I mean, people get in these situations all the time where they're like, you know, people are being cheated on and stuff like that, and they're seeing multiple people. But I think the fact that they both have difficult relationships with their mums is obviously a nice bit of trauma bonding right there. But also, I did you like the fact that, for example, like because he's dreadful, but she's got quite hard edges too. Like it's not like she's this super sweet girl who's fallen for this awful guy. Like they're both quite 
complicated characters, though frankly, he's not that complicated. I he's think that's just what's interesting about it. Yeah, he is. He is a grade A tool. But um, yeah, I mean, it was enjoyable. And in fact, I watched two episodes. I've really taken on board what that listener said last week of just watching one episode. And I only had access to two. I just found it very compelling. I know their relationship because you do become like sort of submersed in this toxic energy they've got together. It's kind of sexy as well. You know, they're very attractive characters who, you know, have like obviously found their groove with each other. So then I stopped watching it and I had to Google what happens in the books because I needed to know. I spoiled it for myself, but I'll, you know, I'll still enjoy it. So that's how into it I got. I just need to know. like. <laughs> so not enough to watch it, but enough to want yeah. to know what happens. I will watch it. I don't have, what's right, it on? Okay. Isn't it on Paramount? Disney Plus. Oh, okay, fine. I can watch you it. You can watch it. But, um, and I and I probably will. I just I just I think my thing with it is that the, the plot of this is that Stephen is supposed to be super charming. Like that's supposed mm. to be his thing. Like he's like he's an arsehole, but he's really charming. I didn't get yeah, that watching he is charming. this. I just thought he's obnoxious and he's repellent, and I don't understand. I mean, maybe you're a better judge of this than me, but I didn't see the charm. It's a different thing. It's, he's not hes not supposed to be charming. He's supposed to be. That, that first scene where he meets, they meet and they lock eyes and then they meet at that kind of like party, right? Where he tries, he chats her up and he's using that negging thing. You know, you know that, that, that term? So he's not, he's not being, yeah, he's not being charming and like, you know, he's, he's, he's using that technique of, of being provocative and a prick, basically. He's a, he absolutely behaves like a prick to her from the first time he meets her, which is what makes this interesting because it's analysing that type of thing. She can't resist for whatever reason. We'll hopefully find out over the next 10 <laughs> episodes um, him for that. It's, so he's not charming and sweet in any way. He, you know, and in fact, it's like no, but he charms, but that is that has a charming effect on, like that negging actually is attractive. To oh, her. That's what I'm saying, but it's not, it's not. It, it, yeah. It's to James's point that he's not trying to be charming, old school charming, classically the word charming. charming. Yeah, it's literally yeah. the opposite. He's actually by not being charming, by being a bit of a prick from the start, he's he's trying to seduce her that way, and and it is an interesting idea. It's an interesting premise for a show. That really, the whole idea of it for me is I'm not saying James is completely misunderstood. <laughs> I mean, slightly. it's possible. The whole idea of it is, why would she is? Yeah, she has. A, she's supposed to be cold. All of her friends think she's cold. Yeah, well, I mean, she's you know, described a as a sociopath quite early on. Yeah, so. right. So it's kind of like a relationship between two people who who don't go by the normal norms of you know n- normal kind of social interaction. If you like, they're both quite different and difficult and sh- spiky characters, and I think that makes it. Interesting and different to the usual types of this show. I think it's like you know. I, I think it's in the tradition of those kind of what if you you know style like erotic thriller kind of things. Although interestingly, like the thriller element is played down. It's it's kind of pretty much focused on. There is like a, a, a death in it without wanting to give too much away. It's definitely like about this toxic relationship as you as you described it. Kay. Having having said that, and having Google straight after, I can say that that element that mystery or like the um the yeah. tragedy then it is know, woven yeah. throughout it becomes sure. a bigger deal yeah, absolutely yeah. I, I i thought it was really good i think that um he is unbelievably annoying jackson white mm-hmm. who plays steven he's got that like croaky breathy way of talking you know kind of like, he's like <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it talks like that all the time which is equally grating but you can't i did believe i did believe that she would fall for him in the end you know yeah oh yeah. i did i can see it i could totally see it they're but bo- and all they're both fucked up and they're both attracted yeah. to each other um interesting fact when i felt that like i was in a wormhole um of just googling is that they're dating in real life now so obviously that magic oh, works for them now. both on screen and off. there's also a 
particularly yes. saucy sex scene in the second episode, which I had to watch on a train, <laughs> which is not awkward at all. <laughs> the woman next to me was taking quite a lot of interest. Do you know what, James? You're you're that guy on the like, train that we all see. Porn and we're like, on oh, the train. God. It's like, no, it's work. I swear to God, it's work. <laughs> oh, that is excruciating. Yeah, but it, it has got that absolute kind of like. 80s, 90s erotic thriller vibe to it where the sex scenes are deliberately raunchy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I think it works on that level. And the other, other, I thought it was well done, I'm though. also Googling it, Kay, and I can tell you that the showrunner, Megan Oppenheimer, uh, is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. How about that? Wow. What a coincidence. The Tulsa yeah. Queen, oh. if you will. The Tulsa Queen. Yeah. My only, my only question about this, I've watched two episodes as well, is t- eight more? Yeah. I mean, that does seem a it lot, does. I have to say. But you I'm, know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what Kay did. I'm just going to Google what happens. <laughs> I, w- I will watch some more. I think I think it should have been no- another six episodes, not another eight. Because once this tragedy yeah, element is I woven mean, through, I think there is more to. We all be more that's invested. A lot. It's I think. One novel told in eight in ten hours. That's quite a lot. Not not even that thick. Boyd, go on. Yeah, Shantaram's twelve. Yeah, episodes. yeah but Shantaram's I mean, was about nine thousand. That is uh, true. Pages, that it? is true. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that is Lie to Me then, and that comes to Disney Plus on a day. Tell me lies. That's it. No, it's not Lie to Me. In fact, I just lied to you. Honestly, I swear to God, I keep doing this. Why are you such a I know, why are you such I a goddamn think liar? Of the, <laughs> think of the song, Tell Me Lies, Tell Me Sweet Little it's Lies. Not tell Me, Tell Me Lies. Yeah, which I that kept on singing in my head every time about I was saying it. What are you talking about? Uh, no, no I, I was really into Lie to Me. I watched all of it until it got cancelled. And I don't even like procedurals. You're right, it's a different show. So, right, so like, the, the show that is not lie to me, that is, in fact, tell me lies, uh, <sighs> comes to Disney+. Plus. When does it come, Boyd? No one's going to trust me after this. Wednesday. Wednesday, 16th of November. There we go. Okay, super. Right. Next, we have 1899. This is, of course, the sequel to 1883 and the next in, Tyler, in Taylor Sheridan's <laughs> Yellowstone saga. No, of course it isn't. <sighs> it is instead Netflix's multi-language horror thriller. And this one, I guess, is designed to appeal to the polyglots among you. Uh, this takes place in the era of the title and sees a group of people leaving London on a ship to start a new life in New York. However, upon encountering another ship adrift at sea, it all goes pear-shaped in very short order. This show is in English, German, Italian, <laughs> Chinese, Japanese, and French. I mean, for fuck's sake, pick a language. But nevertheless, Boydi, mochtest du das? I think you missed out on languages. Well, I think there's Swedish. There? Oh, whatever, Swedish or, as well. Yeah, so. that's it's got yeah, the yeah, most yeah. languages of any show I've ever yeah. seen. And they don't even do that thing that they do in Black Panther where they colour the subtitles so that you can see the different languages, which I think they should have done. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is quite the show. It's quite a, uh extraordinary thing, really. So it's from... Yanchi Frieza and Baran Boadar. Um, and it, for the, basically, the people who gave us Dark, yes. which was quite a popular and successful and widely admired, I would say, um, Netflix series that ran for, I think, three seasons and was. And I remember I watched season one of Dark and I remember thinking it was pretty bewildering. <laughs> like it started out as one thing and then changed into other, became, I think, a time travel thing and multiple different dimensions, I think. This is quite confusing and bewildering, deliberately so. This is a show that plays out with lots of strange things happening that it's not gonna it's gonna take its own sweet time to explain. But ostensibly the the main premise is, is still is interesting and straightforward, which is that a group of European migrants leave London 
on a steamship to go to start new lives in New York. And I read that, in fact, that the creators it's, were inspired by Brexit, inspired by the idea wow. of a whole load of people leaving Europe. You know, why are they leaving Europe, the safety of Europe, to go to a new world and start new lives? Um, so it's partly inspired by that. And what's interesting is that as they embark upon this journey um, in 1899, there's a whole other very similar ship holding a similar number of people. About 1,400 people are on this ship of different classes. There's upper class who are kind of given lavish, luxurious rooms. And then there's like the lower class that haven't paid as much that are in the kind of lower level of the ship and are in like grimy, terrible conditions. And then there's the workers, like the people who are literally helping the ship move and function who are at the, at the ba- basement of it with some people who have like stowed away as well and they're really linda shit almost quite literally and along the way they you soon find out that the same company that owns this ship had another ship that disappeared or very strange things happened to where the whole all of the people on that ship seem to disappear and or die and there's one small child silent child who seems to be a survivor from that ship the captain of this ship is obsessed with why that ship, what happened to that ship, and soon orders this ship to turn around. Instead of going straight to New York, they go all the way back to find this other fucking ship, much to the fury, understandably, <laughs> of the passengers. <laughs> then on top of that, you've got the fact that almost all the passengers that this show is focusing on are lying to themselves, to each other, to the powers that be. They all have an ulterior motive for being on this fucking ship in the first place. They're all kind of like have issues and pretending to be, they're all kind of like, basically, it's, it's fascinating. that where, Is that why they're there? Is that they drawn to this journey? Because they're all kind of making stuff up and are all kind of like, what? Yeah. And also, they when they start, pro- like, because obviously the passengers start protesting that the fact that they just do not want yeah. to return to go and find the ship. They all want to desperately get to New York City and you get the very much get the impression that they're all running for something. They're all really scared of returning back to England. None of them want exactly. to go. They're all hiding yes, something. Exactly. And then the more you watch of it, I've watched uh, three episodes, the more strange, bizarre things happen. There are pyramid, metal pyramid things. Mm. There are little weird insecty things that may or may not be mechanical and you're not quite sure. People pop oh. up and you're in Bernard pop, Barnard pops up as a mysterious figure who is in there at the beginning. And um, it's really weird. And can I just mention, by the way, that to the, you know, have you ever heard of a comedy duo called The Pin? No. The Pin are Ben Ashenden no. and Alex Owen, who are hysterically funny and very talented, two young British guys. They are in this, in the basement, in the bowels oh. of the ship, um, in the, in early on, as in that, you know, two of the workers, if you like. And it's so random they're in it. They're also in Jurassic Park Dominion, by the way. They get cast randomly in like huge big things. And they're like a small, brilliantly, brilliantly inventive, creative comedy duo. I just wanted to mention then. This, I love this stuff. I really enjoyed it. I'm fascinated. I don't know what the fuck's going on. The production values are incredible. And what what struck this is a Netflix show, right? And I, I do remember. Remember there was that whole controversy about Netflix insisting that all their shows had a certain look or a certain you know aspect ratio and all of that. I, this show is proof of that is bollocks because this has a really weird kind of almost ethereal, creepy, foggy, misty feel to it. And it's all grey and dark green and brown. And if Netflix is insisting on everything looking the same, then this, these people have completely ignored that <laughs> because they've created their own look for it. And it's really interesting and haunting. Very and atmospheric. Exactly. Not that you've asked, James, but I really like this as well. And I didn't think I would. I've also watched, yeah, I've watched two episodes. To me, like, 
I thought it was really interesting. It's got, it reminded me of two things, right? And it had this Agatha Christie-esque vibe to it in terms of the mixed bag of pa- people thrown together on a vessel, um, which I really like because, you know, there's so many different characters. Boy mentioned like a French couple who are seemingly in a loveless relationship on honeymoon. The Spanish brothers tra- traveling together, one a priest who I really like um, and I'm intrigued by, particularly um, the brother that's not the priest. Um, there's a young girl posing as a geisha, we think, with a travel companion. And there's mystery that surrounds all of them combined with the the other thing it reminds me of is the Downton Abbey-esque vibe of, you know, upstairs, downstairs, the young men shoveling the coal. But yeah, there's mystery that surrounds all of them, all individual stories of these passengers, plus this connection to Prometheus, the sunken or the, you know, the ship that's lost at sea and why they all seem to be connected in some way to it and this recurring symbol of the pyramid. I just, I've, and also I've got to say, I did have a little bit of a soft spot for the captain. He's no. very rugged rugged and tortured no. <laughs> and fighting his own demons. Yeah, I thought I really enjoyed it and I can't wait to see where this goes. It's demented. Like, it's absolutely <laughs> it demented. <laughs> like, I was just like, what is going on? It's also literally very dark as well. Like, mm. There were times I just couldn't mm. make out what was going on. But it has a, it had a proper event horizon-y feel to me. Like, when they go over to the ship, I love ghost ship stories. Like, they're going onto the vessel, what they're going to find, all the people are a bit scared. It's really atmospheric. It's beautifully shot. It is discompobulating that it's in, like, 150 separate dialects. Like, it's like, I mean, pick a language. Come on. Like, would it kill you? I don't know. Like, I found that a little bit. I mean, to to a certain extent, when you're reading subtitles, it's it doesn't authentic. really matter. But I guess so. I guess so that it is showing that it's like a melting pot of all these different people from all these different backgrounds going to these places. But uh, it is. But it's almost like it felt at one point like they were always taking the piss. Like they're introducing all these different people. Like they, there's a dinner party. Well, not dinner party, just dinner on the boat. And every table is speaking a different language at this dinner. And then <laughs> when you get to the Chinese couple, like just to throw in an extra tip, one of them's learning Japanese and then starts speaking in Japanese as well because they're trying to learn Japanese. <laughs> like, what well, so you could get an extra language in there on top of everything else. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very good. And Emily Beecham is really, really good in this, like sort of steely, like, you know, really going for it. Uh yeah, I I I I have n- idea what they're where this is going i've no idea what it's doing but i want to see so it's also a brilliant use of echo and the bunny men's killing moon at the end of the third episode there you go oh yeah good mm. tip boydie spoiler uh well 1899 or yellowstone 1899 as i like to call it comes to netflix on the thursday the thursday the 17th thursday the 17th random netflix day there you go. Random Netflix. What does that mean, Boydie? Does that mean that it's foreign language? Think, is that why it drops on a Thursday? I don't know. I think my net theory of net, when when Netflix drops things is now been blown to pieces by the fact okay. that um, The Crown started on a Wednesday for some reason. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But Who knows why they're doing that? They ju- they just do what the fuck they want. They it's do fine. Do yeah. the fuck they want. Some even start swearing yeah. a lot, which is fine. Yeah. I think it's all the technical yeah, issues we've had. We've been doing, uh, recording this for today. eight hours now, and it's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we actually have. Uh, okay. Can we just give a, actually while we say that? Can we just give a little shout out to Darren who basically makes this sound good? Well, we don't every know week. if he's going to make it sound good. Yeah, we hope he's going to make it sound <laughs> good. Well, <laughs> like that's the plan. This is this, this is me kind of adding oh, a sweetener as well. Please, Darren, oh, make yeah. like, it's a genuine thanks, and also please, dear God, yes. make this sound better than it was recorded. Kay would like you to make her sound in particular mm. good, Darren. Yeah. That would be great. Well, Darren interviewed <laughs> me in us. front of his Leeds students, media students on he Monday, did, but yes. virtually. So yeah, he's, uh, he's yeah. 
Darren. It, yeah, yeah, because Boyd Editor did his Darren. Leeds Trinity yeah. talk. <gasps> yeah. Yes. So How he did talked at Leeds Trinity University and, and Boyd addressed the students. Boyd, did you impart words of wisdom uh, to them? I got loads <laughs> of feedback from them, so that was nice. Yeah, completely. Yeah, including one one woman who um who I who went to university with me in Massachusetts in nineteen eighty nine. Really? And reminded me that we worked for the same we worked for like the paper the student paper then. Nineteen eighty nine. 1899. Yeah, 1899. 1899. Yeah. That's exactly what I <laughs> 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 And it is a ship to New York yeah. as well, which of course you lived in for a exactly. while as well. So it's the Boyd yeah. story. Anyway, let's get on to the final show this week before one of us dies. Uh, and this is Tulsa King, which I may have joked about Taylor Sheridan on 1899, but this is quite legitimately a Taylor Sheridan show, though it is nothing to do with Yellowstone. Uh, this increases his small screen dominance. Uh, and this one, as you've heard, starts. Sylvester Stallone in the lead, which is great. Kay, is this crime series Capo de Tutti Capo or a mafioso? No, it's the former. It is. I love this. I really do. Um, So it follows um, Sly in the role of gangster Dwight Manfredi, who has spent 25 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Um, And it's now been released. He was covering for his gangster bosses. He thinks now that he's out, he's going to be looked after, compensated, but spoiler alert, he is not. And far from rolling out the red carpets, they just, you know, instead they just pack him off to Tulsa, Oklahoma, which frankly no one wants to go to when you're Sly Sloan who's served 25 years and he wants to return to New York and be treated like royalty. The royalty, the king that he is, but he's not. Um, So yeah, they pack him off. He's understandably pissed off about it but he eventually decides to do it and he they put him out to pasture which no one puts sly in the corner but they try to they he does go and then he makes peace with it and he's the comedy and the brilliance of this i think is the fish out of water element as he tries to make tulsa his new home and his territory they ostensibly say you know he they want him to start up a branch of their criminal activities there but they they are putting him out to pasture but he you know he does his best to actually start anew there. And a lot of it comes, the comedy, I think, comes from the fact that fish out of waterness, you know, when he was in prison, he was he's so unaware of the technological advances that are taking place. And he's just so old school in his the way he does things, from the chivalry he shows to people to his the way he is as a gangster. Um, he doesn't like to hurt people unnecessarily, <laughs> but he will do so if it comes up. And I just think, yeah, I think this is really good. And it's so good to see him on the small screen and as a three dimensional gangster rather than just a meathead. Like he's kind of studied when he was in prison, you know, he was reading the classics and that comes across. I just thought it was really funny. And there's one particular line you guys probably didn't find it at all where he introduces himself as Perry Como. Um, and I just—I don't know why it was so random. It just made me laugh, and there's a lot of great lines in this, so I loved it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much a comedy. I mean, it, it, you know, it, I think I remember seeing the clips of the trailer uh, before I interviewed him, but but it doesn't quite prepare you for how just how funny it is. And um, like the first scene is him when he gets when he has to kind of meet his old family that employ him as in, in as part of their mafia-led gang it's hilarious the whole scene is just really funny and a lot of it a lot further on there are there are cast members in it who are mainly known for doing comedies and i think that you know it's, it's clear why his his timing is just brilliant i don't mean when he's punched he does you say he's reluctant to um to be fine i don't think he's, he's, he's not, not that right. yeah, he, he, <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm joking he's 
No, no, he's reluctant, but when he does, he does yeah. pull it out of the bag, obviously. But you know, he makes a thing of like, oh, you know, I don't want to do yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think he quite enjoys it. punching people in the face and does it multiple <laughs> times. So, um, but you know, it's quite interesting because it is, it does, I have to say, it does kind of glamorize, you know, gangsters, violence. It, it's definitely like a, a, a spin on, you know, classic. It's no, it's no, it's no accident that. You know, the showrunner, the actual showrunner. So Taylor Sheridan created the show, but the actual showrunner is Terence Winter of the Sopranos of Bulwark Empire fame, an actual master of American gangster stories and shows. And um, it's kind of feels steeped in that whole world. You know, it's kind of like like the Sopranos did a bit, well, quite a lot, actually. It feels like all well, that family that he, they employs him are living their lives by watching their godfather. And, you know, it's like, well, I'm the capo and you know, we're going to treat you like this. It's really entertaining. Sylvester Stallone is in every single scene. He narrates it. He struts around brilliantly. His just physicality is brilliant. He's just mm. a, a, he's just a formidable presence. And you know, if ever there needed to be a star vehicle for someone, a superstar, Hollywood superstar who's never done TV before, you know, and why should he? Because he's got a whole, he's got decades of uh, amazing he films. Need to. Yeah, but the, what a perfect vehicle it is for him with brilliant talents like Taylor Sheridan and Terence Winter, as I say, making it. It's just a fantastic idea that they've pulled off brilliantly, I think. Can I just say a quick note on the violence thing? Because I was just thinking about this. No, <laughs> And you're right. He, I mean, to say he's not like he is reluctant to the point that he doesn't punch people's heads in is ridiculous. But what I would say is, because I'm usually, I find um, violence difficult to watch on screen. It's not gruesome. Like it's not Super, super barbaric. It's not Gangs of London levels of violence. Yeah, there's it, there's there's a comedy edge to most of the violence. Yeah, not all of it, most of it. That said, I found the violence quite surprising. Not in the fact that because I mean it's not gory, it's not particularly brutal, but there are moments where someone is a little bit racist, so obviously a bad guy, but he punches him in the face, gr- chokes him out with a phone cable, and then smacks him in the face twice with the handset. And yeah. it's like, sure, he's a big old Complete racist. Ju- probably, but Complete he's like, justified. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like, like, he comes out of nowhere with quite extreme acts of violence. And sometimes you're on board with it, and other times when he like takes over some guy's shot, you think, actually, he's not a good guy on any level. And it's I find that quite interesting, that he's gone to this small place and he's basically being a gangster. Not like a comedy gangster, but in the same way that you know how Tony Soprano, you're always in his camp, but actually he was a really brutal, nasty man. And you see in that first episode in season one when he's out with Meadow on the college trip and he kills that guy and you realise he's a monster but it's taken you a while to realise that you're in bed with a monster watching this show and I think this is a very diluted sense of that same thing where he is not a good guy like he has like chivalrous qualities but he's not a good guy no he's not so he's not Tony Soprano he is a comedy let's be he, honest yeah he's he's not a monster and like but disclaimer I'm not saying like you know people should attack the racists but you know in that scene that you're talking about I didn't you know I was on his side. Oh, you know, I'm I'm always happy to see a racist punched in the face. I have no problem with that. I'm just saying, like, there are a few sequences. There's a bit with a security guard who gets like slugged in the face. Like, he's quite like bearing in mind what he's actually going about doing is, yeah, you know, of course, it's not also it's like it's sliced alone. You know, it what is, are you expecting? It is, but, I, but and, and I think that's that's the secret here. I think he carries this on pure, exactly as Boyd said, physical presence and screen presence. That scene at the beginning when he sits down with the family and speaks to the the boss of New York and stuff. He's 
you know, he's formidable. He dominates that entire room in a way that only Stallone can. And I think it's just an absolute joy to see him headlining his own show. I can't believe it's the first time he's ever been tempted to do it. But uh, I'm very, I'm very pleased he was. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's great. Excellent. Well, Tulsa King then, which of course comes to Paramount Plus on Monday today, as we go out the 14th of November. Anything else that we've missed, Boydie, apart from Yellowstone Season 5, which also drops today, also on Paramount Plus? There's quite a lot, yeah. Sorry, I'll quickly. Li- that Limitless with Chris Hemsworth that Kay was referring to at the beginning, that's on Wednesday on yep. Disney Plus. That starts. There's the Horn Section TV show, James, which you- you'll love this. This is a spin off from Taskmaster. It's actually a sitcom oh my God. Um, featuring. Um, the lovely uh, little Alex Horn, who um, Taskmaster fans will know, created that show, and he's the sidekick to um, Greg Davis on it. But this is his own show, and it's an interesting kind of knowing meta, meta sitcom about them playing versions of themselves. Sort of thing. It's actually really interesting. Channel Four Thursday that starts. I've watched that, yeah. and it's good for anyone who's a fan of Taskmaster. Is it is Taskmaster the spin-off from the Black Widow movie where you see Taskmaster, like sort of post-Black no. Widow? No. Yes. Yes, it is. No. Where we see what Taskmaster <laughs> no, gets not. up to. No? Okay. There's also Brian Cox of Succession fame has got this factual, but I'm going to mention it anyway, James, How the Other Half Live on Channel 5, which is a really interesting two-part documentary in which he looks at poverty and the, the, the wealth gap in the UK, Channel 5 Thursday, 9 o'clock, author documentary of Brian Cox, and what could you want? Dead to Me, the new season, third and final season of that show, which people really like, with Christine Applegate, is on Netflix on Thursday. Elite, my favourite Spanish, (laughs) outrageous Spanish team. Team. Only one language, Boyd. I'm disappointed. Exactly. And in fact, <laughs> one of the cast members from Elite is is that guy you were talking about, Kay, your favourite, in 1899, oh. of that with the, the, the uh, priest and the other guy, the other yeah, guy yeah, yeah. from Elite. Yeah. Oh, so that I'll, starts again on Friday on, on the Netflix. The Great Game is a Italian drama that's supposed to be really good, set in the world of football, high-end football deals and all of that, which is obviously timed because the World Cup starts in about two weeks' time. And that's on Sky Atlantic now on Friday at nine o'clock. I think that might be it, but fucking hell, yeah, it's quite a lot. On. It's quite a lot. Did you mention the Santa Clauses? Oh, no, I didn't mention Santa ah, Clauses. No. Santa Clauses, which That's comes to Disney well. Plus on the 16th, sequel to The Santa Claus. And also Rob and Ramesh versus The Three Lions, which I know James wouldn't let me allow, oh, allow me mean. to talk about. Yeah, I'm just saying it because I love them and they're funny. So, yeah. Don't know on who Sky, any of those people Sky are. Max. Big of the week. Oh, Tulsa King, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I really like 1999 and I pretty much like the other ones. It's another good week, but yeah, I think, I think Tulsa King's the pick of the week. Right, Tulsa King, then that is our pick of the week. And that is it for this week's show. We live for five-star reviews, so please do cruise by Apple Podcasts and drop some there if you feel the urge. Please also help prop up our self-esteem on Instagram and, for you know, for now, Twitter, at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, at Kay Rivera, and, of course, at Pilot TV Pod. Next week, we're going to Tim Burton with Adam's Family spin-off Wednesday on Netflix uh, and probably heading behind enemy lines with Michael Husband and Luke Evans in, as we've already mentioned, Apple's Echo 3. And speaking of which, Luke himself will be on the show to talk all about that. And let's be honest, strictly with Kay. Now, don't don't think I don't see what you're doing here, Ribeiro. Like I, I see what you're doing. You're getting Strictly Chat onto this podcast via the back door. I am watching you. Via the Evans back door. Listen, by hook or by crook, I'm going to talk about it, and I've got a reason to now. So, gutted, James. I'm watching you. I am. Pilot out. <laughs>